Hi, this is Brett Blevins. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. That's the last official Woody Hootie Hootie of 2020. It is. And it feels good. Yeah. We'll put that fucking shit to bed. Not the show, the, the year, obviously. The year. Yes. yes. Yes, indeedy. That's right, getting it done in 21, son. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the shower, he's watching his junk. Getting it done in 21. Let's have some fun in 21. I always have a little thing. Multi-purpose, yeah, it's multi-purpose. Yeah. Sometimes it's wrong, though. Like, like I 2020 think... was going to have lots of the funny in 2020. And Did you really was... say that? Yeah, and it wasn't the case. I, I don't mean, know. I don't believe you said that. I did. You would have smacked your mouth. Um, <laughs> it, it's, I, you know, it's, it's, it's warped, and I'm, I think, I'm, I'm the type of person where, you know, you can find humor in, in anything. I mean, I'll, I'd... I laugh at a funeral I have with my family. It's 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 just the way things are. It, it's it's I, I just whether it's it's dark perverted. It's not right. It's like it's you know it's like boys pants half. It's like there's there's just the certain best. things that that make me giggle. And and if they're you know I understand if they be looked down on by other people and and that's fine. If they, if they don't get that kind of humor, whatever. But um, the last few weeks. When when we've looked at uh, the the recaps of 2020, there have been um, it's been a fucked up and painful year for a lot of people. But there have been some some gems if if you if you can laugh at some of your own hardships, your own your own turmoil. There there's. There's a mockumentary on Netflix right now that we watched last night that that had me laughing a lot. And there's a there's a special on on Amazon um, with a bunch of women comedians who who basically were just saying everything they had to give up in in 2020. Both have been highly amusing and and you there's not much there where you could say they're wrong about anything that was said. And 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 so it's just yeah. So so 2020 may not have brought the funny but there have been some things i I guess i'm trying to say that 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 were we were able to laugh at some of us were able to laugh at that happened over the course of the year nice well this hey hammering the nail into the the moldy old casket of of 2020 it's 11 o'clock comics episode 715 say goodbye to all the bs hopefully uh and i'm vince b you are Vince B. We're not going to say goodbye to you. I am David A. Price. You say goodbye to me. You say goodbye to everything. So. That is the truth. <laughs> yeah, David. And I'm everyone's favorite king of pop, Justin Bieber. Oof. What did he do now? Oof. He became the youngest person to ever have nine number one hit singles. Oh, good for him. I don't know anything about his music, but whatever. Good for him. But no, mm-hmm. you're not Justin Bieber. You're Jason Wood, everybody Who's here. That? squeaking along to the finish line of 2020 with the discount comic book service 
this is the last time you're going to hear this for the year. <laughs> um, it's uh, dcbservice.com. Get your books, get them fast, and deliver straight to your door for a fraction of what everybody else is paying. Write this down. We can't tell you enough. Stray Dogs, number one. Tony Fleece, Trish Forstner, Image Comics. It's going to be huge. You should get it because you've heard Tony here uh, many, many, many times. He knows comics. He loves comics. He's great at what he does, as is uh, Trish Forsner. We showed you the preview art. You don't have any excuses. You got to get this. Number one, uh, $3.99 cover price. Ha ha. It's not going to happen. You are paying $1.99. That is half off. And uh, 2020 wasn't all bad. Because it was the year that gave us the Dark Knight's Death Metal. This is the deluxe edition hardcover of the Snyder-Capullo joint. All seven issues. Uh, and there are, if you look in the previews this month, there are two trade paperback follow-ups to this. Why they didn't print them in hardcover to go with this, I don't know. I mean, that's more along the, the lines of DC's head-scratching trade uh, practices, but whatever. Twenty nine ninety nine cover price for this. You are going to pay $15. That's boys' pants again. And last but certainly not least, from the, the House of Tears, that's Mike Richardson's Dark Horse, this is Fear Case <laughs> number one. Uh, Matt Kent and Tyler Jenkins. It's a four-issue limited series, of which this is the first issue. Three ninety nine cover price. You are very proud and happy to bring it on home for $1.99. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books in pristine format, wrapped up with loving care, delivered to your door. I can't say the nudity thing anymore because I've been having reports that the the delivered people are not actually nude when they drop the packages off. I don't know. Maybe you just drew the short straw, you people out there, but mine still are, so whatever. Just DCBS.com. DCBService.com. I no, fucked mine, up the arrow. It, it, <laughs> mine does sometimes show up. Naked? Without, um, yeah, and, and, I'm, and, and, and surprisingly, he's, uh, he's Jewish. Oh, see, I wouldn't even mind that. Just to get the chance to see someone naked coming up to your door, man, woman, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> the tribe, huh? I'd be like, hey, look at you. <laughs> Salam alaikum, my brother. I don't know. I feel like people our age. I mean, weren't we all circumcised? Uh it's crazy talk. The vast majority of us, at least. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. I think the vast majority of us are, and and there's there was that whole Adam's ruin everything about it, and and it, it does. Yeah, I think I, I think there was a huge movement where I guess people thought um, it was cleaner if if you were, and and that's yeah. and that's it, it is pretty necessarily. It it's it wasn't necessarily a. Um, a religious kind of thing, but but it, depending on what kind of websites you go to, there there a lot of uh, younger dudes are not. Wow, they were fervent back then to to do the circumcision, like they were ripping yeah, it off with yeah. their teeth. I think. Ah, comes another one. So, ah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really an option, right? I feel like no. Well, really I didn't have the option. Say it, so, well, you're little. What do you What do you say, Ma? I want to keep that. I don't know. But yeah, well, it's silly. I mean. It's a calamari. The question is, I mean, Mike. I mean, I don't know. Are, are a lot of are a lot of boys born these days not? Uh, Vinny is. He's right. A, no, yeah. all of mine are too. But I'm saying, mm-hmm. like, 
I feel like in in the last like decade we've had this push to not do it again. All right, Mr. Clicky got to stop with the clicking, whoever it is. There Sorry, was... I was trying to put on the little basketball <laughs> and then on the background there. Sorry oh, for that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome to 2021. Same oh, as it ever was. I'm just trying to put on the background so I can, all right. I, can, I can seize the score. Yeah. I mean, and, and since, since, since you know, Vince has the son, Jason, you have the three of them, like, was it, was it just assumed? Was that an actual discussion you and Beth had with, with, with the doctor? Or was it just That's like... That's the thing, man. Like, I don't, like it was kind of like, yeah, you want him circumcised, right? Yeah. Like, it wasn't like a... Okay. It was a check-the-box thing. It was like... Right. But it wasn't even like a, oh, you know, do you have you decided if you want... It was just like, okay, you want you want the baby to live? Yep, check. You want uh, your wife to live? Check. You want you want the penis trimmed? Yep, check. It's like, it was I don't remember it being like a discussion. It was just more yeah. like... I'll t- well, I think you can opt out if you... You have to like... I think you have to... Sure. It felt like when we were having the bo- the boys, you had to actively opt out of it. Right. But I think in our listeners, we've had lots of listeners have kids more recently. Chime in, like, a, did you get your kids snipped? And b, was it a bigger debate? Yeah, and try to tie it to comics because that's what we're about. <laughs> like, like, did did? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Because we don't ever talk about anything. No, I'm just saying. Comedy. I'm just if you can try and tie the circumcision to comics, that'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> so I looked up for my issue of Amazing Man, and I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Go ahead. Right, yeah. Now, I don't even remember it being like, it wasn't a la carte. Like, it was just part of the meal, right? So they just did it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, speaking of circumcision, what are y'all drinking? <laughs> I, okay, the segues are back, I guess. Yeah, yeah such as they are. <laughs> yeah, well, I am, uh, I'm, I got the, I'm home alone. The rest of the fam is uh, in. Oh, what room are we painting this week? Uh, well, actually, uh, next week I'm painting uh, painting the downstairs hallways. Ooh! But uh, they'll be here for that, though. Right. Uh, okay. No, uh, I'm alone, um, so I just grabbed what was already available, which was uh, an already opened bottle of uh, our favorite Argentinian table wine. You all know what it is, Close de los Siete. I've mentioned it many times over the years. A couple few. Nice. This is your home. You have to defend it. That's right. Yeah. Me and the dogs. I got the doggos. I mean, oh, that's that's the first line of defense. Right. That's all you need. That's true. So nice. I am drinking something new. I got an embarrassment of uh, riches as far as the beer uh, goes. Uh, beer. Yeah. This is from Trogues Brewing. It's the Hop Cyclone. Hazy Double IPA, India Pale Ale, handcrafted by the Trogues Brewing Company, 9% alcohol by volume. It appears that they only brew this thing once a year. Because it says on the back, one pint, 16 fluid ounces, once a year, Citra, Sabro, uh, Simcoe, and Sultana Hops. And it's, it's soft, tropical, and hazy, whatever. Uh, and I have three of them. So 16 times three, that's how much I'm going to be drinking. And chances are very good. By the end of this episode, I'll be super stupid. Uh, more super stupid than usual. So, yes, wow. Trogues. I like Trogues stuff. I've I've really enjoyed the uh, the Troganator that I've been yeah. trying to. I'm going to have to go back down the street and, and get another six-pack. I'm pin. just like, the Troganator always makes me feel like Andrew McLean should have illustrated that that. Uh, Graphics for that, <laughs> right? 
can you imagine how much better it would have been? I mean, it's the graphics aren't bad. I will give right. Trogues a tip of the hat. But if McLean drew it, it would be like I would buy that beer all the time. Yeah, just because it's graced with uh, McLean's art. I wear the the uh, the dice shirt all the time. I just feel closer to Andrew McLean when I wear it. When I wear it, go. Uh, this is a. Um... This is something new that I haven't had before, uh, but I saw it at the other liquor store in our neighborhood, and I thought of Vince, because it is the Dark Horse Cabernet. Oh, Oh, nice. Bold, complex, oak is what it says on the bottle. Um, It is... It's it's not bad. You are you are right, Vince. It is it is cheap and tasty. It is it, it is on the inexpensive side. It is it is by no means the worst cab I've had. And it is it, it does. I, I like um it it's not offensive at all. I no. really do I'm enjoying it. I really yeah. and I and and I generally do enjoy the dark horse stuff, but I've I've tend to have their blends more than anything else. And uh and they can be um fruity or or not 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 sickly sweet but they're on they, they can be on the fruity side this is this is uh this is closer to dry i like this a lot nice and it, once again brewed with mike richardson's uh prolific and uh voluminous tears slightly better segue yeah slightly not much uh speaking of comics this is our book of the month episode <laughs> yeah, we teased it, we promised it, and now we're delivering it. It is the book of the month, and for this month, it is Batwoman Hydrology uh, by J.H. Williams III, W. Hayden Blackman, and the amazing, that's no understatement right there, the amazing Dave Stewart. Uh, collecting Batwoman, uh, the new 52, issues 0 to 5. And... Zero um, has art by Amy Reader as well. Yes, it's a, mm-hmm. a neat uh, juxtaposition, uh, top and bottom, by J.H. Uh, Williams and Amy Reader. It's a cool issue, but we'll get into it. Um, like uh, Jason always asks, was this your first introduction to Batwoman? I'm guessing most of us are going to say no, because we, we read the 52s. The 52s. 52. That's 52 issue number seven. The way you said it, I thought you meant, like, yeah, I, I, like I thought you were saying, was this our first introduction to the character? No. But, uh, right, no, that's true. We, I mean, we all read, like, we, we talked about the first issue of every New 52 book on the show, so obviously this was not the first foray for all of us with this. Right, and we, we encountered Batwoman in 52 with issue number seven. Was, yes, uh, and and then, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we go along here. This, this although this is volume one of Batwoman, it's really a continuation of what Greg Rucka and yes. J. H. Williams were doing in Detective for quite a while before this, right, right? Which which is why I the the bulk of the issues in this volume were new to me. I uh, I didn't I. I have this volume, thanks to Mr. Brian Newbery. I, I have this one in volume two, which I will be starting volume two after our um, 11 o'clock because priorities. But we have, um, I because I knew certain things 
New 52 wasn't a clean slate for a few things, uh, the Bat Universe being one of them. I did not um, read much of the Williams Blackman Batwoman after the New 52 started. So, so to answer Vince's question, since you're right, Vince, yes, the majority of us here tonight um, are, it's not their first time. Uh, for the bulk of this, it is for me. And the odd okay. thing about this, even though it says volume one on the, the uh, cover, it's not a typical volume one. There's no origin story. There's no background. Oh, there's very little background information on what's going on. It actually, as Jason said, it just picks up, hits the ground running from the yeah. Rucka Williams stuff that uh, appeared in Detective. It's just, it, it, it's a very atypical first uh, trade. True. Yeah, and it, it. I don't know. I feel like we've. Um, I, I mean, obviously, we know what what Jay Williams has been up to. We've even had him on the show, but I kind of feel like Hayden Blackman came and went. Like, did we ever see him again? It, this it feels like um, Greg Potter's contribution to George Perez's Wonder Woman reboot. It's like he was there at the start, and then I, I don't know what the hell Potter's done since. And yeah, I, I yeah. Like I honestly don't one. know that he's done comics since. I if he has, I I haven't noticed him. Yeah, and I don't know what the contribution uh, from Blackman actually was, um, but and we can get into this uh, in depth in a little while. I think this is a very unbalanced uh, five uh, six issue collection. It's 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 a little off kilter. Which brings up why don't we why don't we segue into why did we pick this? Why did we pick this? I don't even remember at this point. <laughs> was, we 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 had called an audible. Um, there weren't there weren't eleven choices for December. Uh, because, ah, right, right. Because December is is hectic and and family oriented and and people are away and whatnot. We just figured we'd make life easier. Um, Hydrology's been on a couple of the ballots and uh, always a bridesmaid. So. Uh, Vince seems to have been champing at the bit to talk about it or at least revisit it. Um, for the most part, since it was new to me, I was up for it. And, and I don't think Jason would have had a problem with it. So, yeah, so we did when Jason came back from vacation, um, his 18th of the year, we finally said, okay, let's, um, let's, let's, let's just pick Batwoman. And that's where we're at. So, um, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, uh, full disclosure, I use many, of the spreads from this collection in my class. And there were many. Oh, in your class. Yes. Yeah, that's that's about to say the gallery. That's awesome. No. Okay. Well, I mean, it, they, they, I think Williams is one of the preeminent uh, illustrators in comics. He's amazing. Um, and I also think he has a amazing knack for, uh, in his sequentials, for moving the viewer's eye uh, leading them across the spread like uh, you know carrot on a stick, he he's got a, a really uh, he's very dexterous in doing that. If you look at any of these these spreads, your eye knows exactly where to go. It's not cumbersome, even though the, the I think the graphics are very intense. 
there's a lot going on. There's a lot of different compartments nestled within the, the, the spreads, but he's a master at just dragging you exactly where he wants you to go. And I use these things to illustrate to the, my students about how to manipulate the eye of the viewer. It's not mm-hmm. that hard, right? And, and you know, um, most of the time, Williams does it with symmetry, which I think is boring. But um, when you have a, a symbol for your, your main character, which is symmetrical, you got to use it, right? So I'm not going to, you know, hamstring them for doing that. But if you look at some of the spreads with the, uh, the underwater spreads and the, the, the spreads when um, uh, La Llorona comes into the picture, they're just gorgeous. And there's, there's drippy, undulating, flowing things all over the place. And there's beautiful figure work. But he never loses the, the, the fact that he's trying to pull you through the narrative, right? And I think he's just a, he's a master at it. He really is. And that was one of my comments about this book going in when we were talking uh, before the episode was, I think it's very unbalanced. I think this, the, the art is some of the absolute best to have ever come out of the big two. Marvel DC doesn't matter. A project, who cares? Look at the pages of this thing. They are masterpieces. They're, they're, they're so expertly done that it's ridiculous. It's like, um, I can only imagine the, the peers on the stands alongside Batwoman would be like, why the fuck do we even bother? Look at the, <laughs> look at the shit Jay Williams is kicking out. Why? Yeah. And, and Dave Stewart. You gotta give Stewart credit. Why are we even coming to the table? These guys are just, they're slam dunking it every page. Um, there, I don't think Williams has too many peers. Uh, or or rivals within uh, illustration. I just think he's amazing. We've told him as much, but I don't think the story's all that. I think the story's kind of slight. You know, it's basically La Llorona. Well, it, you know, it's a it's an urban myth. We, we I mean, if you're like me on YouTube, you hear about it all the time. <laughs> the, the the weeping woman, the 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 wailing bride who. Uh, Lost her children, and now she 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 drowned herself because uh, she drowned herself in her sorrows. It's it's a it's mm-hmm. a very prevalent story. Yeah, they just made a, a movie of it, right? Uh, it, I feel like a yeah, not too long ago. Yeah, or, yeah, or late last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I I don't think it's the story that people came here for. I think it's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's the art, right? But but you're, well, you're, you, yeah, you're you're bringing up a great point, which is that because I don't know, depending on where everybody, I don't remember where you guys were with the Rucka detective at the, at the time. Um, I was I did read all that, and I do rereading this. I did recall Vince because because we picked this, and then I thought, oh, dope, yeah, this is I like that stuff, and then then I pulled out volume one and two, and and I was like, oh wait, this is the middle of it. This is this is. Right. This, I was like, this isn't the good good. <laughs> this is the the second act. Like you said, I think visually it's phenomenal. Oh like, god, yeah. it's ridiculous, and and that alone makes it worth reading. Like it's worthy of. I I didn't mind revisiting this at all, simply because I was reminded of what an absolute master uh, he is of this craft. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I reading this reminded me of how good Greg Rucka was writing this with JH drawing it. In detective, see, yeah. Uh, unlike Mister Neesman, I need to have. Uh, I need to be enticed to read Rucka. Sure, I, I, he, no, he, I know. I know. Yeah, he doesn't really 
Um, I don't understand that, but I but I know that of you. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just being honest. I'm not yeah. saying he's a bad writer. Uh, he's very capable, uh, but the subjects uh, and concepts he chooses to write about, I really don't care. Like I, I could never. I I read about five issues of Queen and Country. I'm like, there, this is really not for me. I I can't make it through this. Um, and and even when he was on, even when he was steeped in the DC universe, like with Renee Montoya, I that he had to be paired with a really strong visual stylist for me to read his stuff. Well, and, I would say if he has a commonality, and in, in this is going into even things like Stumptown and Lazarus, I mean, he has made his career out of strong but deeply flawed female protagonist leads. Like, that is sure. almost every one of his books is that. And that's great. Um, there's plenty. Uh, there, there's a need for that in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, don't, I don't need to read it. Over and right. over and no, over I'm, again. I'm not right? admonishing your, your No, I I'm get saying, it. Like that's if, if if I were to if I were to zoom out and look at his bibliography and think what is the central kernel that, that ties all of this together, it's that to me. It's it's right. flawed but incredibly strong female leads who rise up through their their deep flaws to succeed at whatever it is they're trying to do. Right. And Kate fits that, right? I mean, oh yeah, Kate Dane is that too. Well, she's his DC not, version of that. Yeah, she's not a likable person. As was Renee Montoya, yeah. to your point. I mean, right. because for for people that are listening that, that either didn't read it or didn't care or didn't know, Rucka and and it, admittedly, I wasn't the biggest bad fan, so I don't remember like all of it. But but Rucka was. I mean, this goes back to when, like you said, when we started the show and Neesman was on the show because this was some of his favorite stuff. Uh, Rucka was writing Detective, right? And there was the there was the main story, and this that was back when they were DC was doing the backups, right? Yeah. And Renee Montoya was the backups, I believe. Um, am I right about that, or was she the lead? I believe she was the backup as the question, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought so. Right, she was the question, right? They made Renee Montoya the question. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure she's is she still she's, she's not still the question. question. She, she yeah, because yeah, in the lowest lane, the Max. Okay, right, right, right. That's right. Yeah. So so she so Rucka was doing that and was getting some buzz. And then he introduced Kate Kane as Renee's love interest in his run in Detective, and then that evolved into. And I don't again. I don't remember. I'm hazy on the transition. But then that evolved evolved into the book becoming the principal story was about Kate Kane as Batwoman with J H on the art. So there was a transition there from like all of the Renee Montoya stuff into. Knowing her, like you said, we knew her in 52. And then I think maybe coming out of that, they made her the central character of Detective for a bit. And we get flashbacks to that. I mean, they do allude to it quite a bit in this book. But I'm not sure if you were reading this de novo, if if it would have just seemed like inconsequential backstory or not. Like, I don't know if, if it would have been clear that they were making specific references to things that happened in comics versus just filling in her history you know, as as part of the story, I I don't, I, and it maybe doesn't matter. I don't, I don't know that matters either way if you read this, but but it it certainly if you if you had read Detective, it, it, you were you were getting specific both references and visual panel cues from stuff that happened in that book, right? And, and not to undersell this volume, I think this volume works better in tandem with Volume Two. Like yeah. I I really think it's like a uh, whatever a, a twelve issue story. Yeah. It's you know th- this is basically Act One, 
uh, and because there's really there's very little resolution in this other than the La Llorona aspect of it there's a lot of stuff that's left up in the up in the air right and 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 that's where I think having not read detective into this for people it's a problem because I think that that JH and Blackman do a fine job of of letting you know what you need to know in terms of who she is and what she's up to but in in her run in detective you see a lot of things happen you see the relationship with Renee you see it break up you see her dad being a central figure in her life and helping her basically become Batwoman in terms of operations and equipment and location and training. And she's like her Alfred. She's, she's like, well, more than that, he's, he's her, her mentor, her coach. And you see that fall apart. And then most importantly, and they allude to it, she always thought her mom and her sister were murdered. And then her sister ends up being the antagonist of that, of that whole run. The, the behind the scenes villainess. Yeah. Alice. And yeah, Alice. And then she ends up, essentially dying again or so we think um and, and that's so very start, important right because yeah, there are, as I say, we start this book with she what i'm not i'm not sure is clear at the opening of this book is how broken i think she's supposed to be right? right like like in the in the detective run she was we were introduced to her and she was this powerful new force of nature in this she's lost to her love and they were serious i mean her her and renee were serious they they were effectively living together mm-hmm. so she's she's brokenhearted She's lost her dad, who she had a deep, deep relationship with. He was he was her lone supporter, really, because she's a lesbian and she was a at West Point. She got kicked out for being a lesbian, uh, and he stood by her. So she's lost her her mentor, her dad, her lover, um, and then she lost her sister again, and in a, in the most horrible way, in the sense that her sister was her enemy. Um, so she's just in a really bad. I mean, she's in a bad spot to start this book. Um, and I don't know that they really fully flesh that out for the reader. And another thing that you didn't mention was the sister was a twin. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. No, so, sure. I mean, I've yeah. seen twins who have lost the other half, and it fucks them up. I mean, they're never the same when yeah. when the other half of that pair goes away. So uh, that's another thing weighing on her. But the And what's interesting, by the way, is the intro – in the sec to your point about the second volume being important, the intro to the second volume of this has a little recap and explains what we just talked about that she's alone, she's in a bad place. Like it, but it, I don't know why they didn't give us that in the first volume. Um, so I will say too, while we're while we're just talking about just just to get back to the complimentary stuff, I absolutely adore that JH made her ghostly pale because I'm ghostly pale. And we don't get rep. We don't get repped a lot, and she is a fine ass pale woman, and I I credit him to that because she's almost like Domino White. Yeah, I knew. I was dang here it comes. Yep, here's the Domino. Yep. Uh, yeah, she is very very uh, porcelain like uh, her skin. The um, what was I going to say before you took it in a different direction? Uh, I, not to be uh, – I'm, I'm trying to be complimentary with this because I, I think the, the virtuoso performance in the visuals, um, there's, there's not a, a, an, a, an equal weight um, stream through the narrative. 
it's very like okay now we're here and now we're we're there and uh flame bird has concerns and mm, here comes maggie and you know maggie sawyer all right and then it just seems like there's there's nothing and parts of the narrative to me having reread this again obviously for this this episode there seems to be there there are cuts in the narrative that made me feel like well, is there a page missing here mm-hmm. like it's very abrupt and the scenes shift um on a on a dime and it's 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 jarring and it makes you think that man did i miss something it just seems like um the the story would have been better served uh by uh, a writer who had been at the time more seasoned than williams williams give him the art awesome that's what you do my friend you do it extremely well but it seems like the story was just um not the weight of the story was not in tandem with the 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 crushing weight of the visuals i mean it every page is a jaw-dropping just orgasm for the eyes it's 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 a um illustration 101 this is a primer on how to do it any page of this thing you can lay it down and show someone like look at the figure work and this look at the color work the the sequentials the progression between panels the the backgrounds are just amazingly rendered everything on these pages is is sumptuous and then the the narrative is like yeah okay uh, it's it's good but i don't think it's good enough to 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 rise to the level of the art yeah, I don't disagree, and I would also say that for those that um, want to view this as a as a two year run, I mean, it was a four volume, twenty four issue run. It's important to mention that J.H. drew this first arc and then did not draw the next three arcs. He just co wrote the next three arcs. Well, because he was probably like, "Screw it, I'm tired." <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, but I'm saying, but but your point about the books carried by the art, it, it's you don't get that art for the next 18 issues. Right. So in as much as the writing, if you don't think it gets better, then not sure it's worth diving into 24 issues because it's, um, Amy reader draws the second volume and I think she's terrific, but I do remember it's like, uh, you know, it's like if you have, if you're, you don't want to be the guy that like follows a legend, right? Like you don't want to be, uh, it kind of, I remember feeling like that at the time in that I thought Amy reader looked great and, and I, and rereading it this time. Cause I did a revolume too. Um, I do think she, she does a fine job, but it's just, it's, it's like going to, to, you know, the museum and spending a few hours looking at Guernica and then, you know, and then being like, Oh, uh, Look at what my son, you know, painted it. It's 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 it may be awesome, and you might be like, oh, they have a future, but it's he just saw he just saw perfection, you know. So right. so that was tough. And then Trevor McCarthy draws the final two arcs, and no disrespect to Trevor McCarthy, but Trevor McCarthy is a much more conventional comic book storyteller, and and again, that's fine. There's a place for that. And he's done plenty of good work in his career for sure. But in a lot of ways, this Batwoman period of DC 
felt like it started magma molten hot for me, like 10 out of 10 jaw-dropping 11 o'clockers worthy, and slowly but surely dwindled to the point where when it was over, I don't think many people, myself included, were at all upset by it. Because it went from a 10 or an 11 out of 10 when Rucka was writing it and Williams was drawing it to whatever uh, this volume, let's say, is a 7 because Williams is still drawing it. But like you said, Vince, I'm not sure the story is really all that memorable. And then when he just starts co-writing it, uh, it just becomes, to me, another inventory book, another superhero inventory book. And unless you're just madly in love with the character or characters then it's probably not going to hold much weight for you. Um, right? So that's how I feel about the four years that right. she was centrally featured. Yeah, I, I have to agree. There's really no following Williams. It's it's an impossible. Mm-hmm. You, you don't even show up. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that this, um, these five issues or six issues were um, very crucial in the uh, eventual uh, style that he displayed in Overture. Because prior to Batwoman, he was detailed and he was complex, um, but he, uh, we didn't see the mingling or the co-mingling of the painting and the line work and the, the, the allowing the color to fade away and just his line to take over like he it, it's a very much a a, a mixed media approach yeah. to to, yep. to storytelling and you see that in spades in overture like he mm-hmm. just milks the fuck out of it um where i think this was the the seed that led to overture so um they're they're both great but i think overture is the his his crowning achievement to date and uh, I think this was the, the – I don't want to call it stepping stone because he's fully formed, right? At this point, he's a master illustrator. Um, and maybe he just thought, hmm, I can really wrangle a lot of mileage out of these layouts. And then you see what he did in Overture where it's <laughs> it's just extremely complex and fold-outs and just tons and tons of characters and, and different um, – styles of rendering within one image like wow you are godlike you're not of this planet there's no way that you were born of sperm and egg <laughs> i'm not I'm, yeah. i know maybe i'm getting a little uh hyperbolic but i think jh williams is an incredible talent i don't i don't think uh, maybe in 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 50 years when when some kid takes a look at the the history of comics and and says holy shit this this Williams guy was making everybody else look bad. He is like the the apex predator of illustration. I don't know. I I, I just think the guy is just jaw droppingly good. Like I, I I don't know. I don't know how else I can say it. Mm-hmm. But he commands attention. And again, not to hammer that dead horse anymore. The story does not. And let's just talk about the story. Maybe somebody sure. will be inspired to read it. Um. It uh, it's based. It starts off with uh, the Batman uh, shadowing and assessing the uh, the worth of of Kate Kane, aka Batwoman, uh, in the field. He's he's watching her from a distance. He's looking at her, uh, trying to take down this this sister shard who's involved in the religion of crime. 
and uh, he's like, hmm, somebody trained her really well. Uh, they, 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 they crossed all their T's and dotted all their I's, and she's got all the right moves. But more importantly, she's got the hole in her, in her heart that uh, she needs to fill by doing this. Batman has the same hole, right? Dead parents uh, need to, to, to fill that hole with, with justice, and, and Kate is the same way. She has that, that missing component that propels her to do what she does. And he's like, all right, yeah, yeah. Uh, she could be molded. She could, she could. I got to keep an eye on her. And he eventually asks her to join Batman Incorporated. Um, but that's not for a while, right? Um, I, that's the issue that Jason said was uh, also illustrated by, or David said was Amy Reader, right? Yes. Uh, the top and the bottom. It's a really cool juxtaposition because you get um, the reader's very linear. Uh, uh, beautiful, thick and thins to her line, but then you get the full process Williams above, and it's just it's a nice counterpoint to the art. But it's a, like I said, it's a slight issue. It's it's Batwoman doing what she does, taking down a, a ne'er do well, and Batman watching her like a creep, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, it's a cool issue, but it, I mean, it it, it didn't it, it post dates issue number one. Zero came out down the line. Yeah. And uh, I think it, it came out around issue uh, six, seven of the regular series. Like, remember, they had a, a zero issue month. Yeah. The new 52. So they just shoehorned it into the first issue, and into the first trade. But it works really well in tandem to what everything, what all the other stuff that's going on. Because in issue five, Batman formally asks her to join. Batman Incorporated, and she's like, nah, son, I got this other thing going on. And we'll talk about it. I, I thought the Zero issues are, is a great issue. Um, it's all you need to know about the character, right? Yeah, I, I thought it was great because I I, I adore readers' art, so I, I appreciated the more traditional um, comic book style storytelling that you're used to seeing in the superhero books, and then yeah, on the same page, you get this beautiful painterly um almost breathtaking uh williams art so it, it's and and yeah and it did it did kind of for somebody who may have been lacking in their batwoman knowledge it um it did enough to get me set up to know you know who kate is batman's batman's field notes were enough to kind of get me up to speed for the, I mean, uh, the, the don't ask, don't tell the dead mother, the dead sister. I mean, everything, everything was here in the zero issue that, that, that you needed. So even though the collections may not be published chronologically the way they were on the stands, it, it, it makes sense that of course the zero issue would come in here at the start of this collection, uh, kicking it off. So it, it, I, I thought for a zero issue, I thought it worked really, really well. Yeah, it's enticing, it really is. Um, but for uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a head scratcher because for a character that is very proud of her sexuality and um, seeks to uh, convert or at least in, inform the 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 populace on the the the. Uh, I don't know the you know the the concerns of a person of her sexuality, right? 
there's a lot of TNA in this book. And I'm thinking, oh, sure. no, I'm thinking that's a, that was a weird approach because if you're pushing this thing as, you know, we are so, uh, we at DC are so, you know, we're woke, we're down with the LGBT, um, culture and we're, we're trying to, to instill diversity and show you that there's more than one way to approach these characters. And then you have Batwoman doing all these, you know calisthenics and the nipples are popping out the tits are in your face the ass is spread and it's like i I don't mind seeing it but i think it's a bad look for someone to it's a bad it's a kind of a bad look to push this out there and say look how woke we are not really not really because this is the shit that comics has been doing for 50 years i kind of i i don't i i don't i i don't agree uh and and the reason is is yeah that there are some scenes where it's like okay this is like you know Mark Beach and drawing Samory but right there's are, a lot of crotch shots yeah <laughs> there are some but but to me that's just like get your straight it doesn't you know people are still going to be sexy they're still going to be sexual yeah, people want to get the out fuck there on. I mean right so so yeah. just because she's gay doesn't mean that you know okay well she's gay but everything else needs to be you know we're going to keep a lid on things no. because she's gay she's attractive we don't want, we don't want nipples to be shown that that's Batman's not balls deep a lot but if, it doesn't need to be the focal point of the image is what i'm saying if if you want to promote the beauty of the female form that's great but you don't have to have uh you know 20 degree nipples you're saying you felt like there was a lot of fan service. I think there's a lot of fan service. But, in this. Yeah. but okay, but but maybe not. And 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 it's fine to think that way as 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 a male who's been reading comics his whole life. Yeah, I, I definitely get. It. I I look for you know. I don't I mind see side it. boob. I see under boob. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's great. That, that, that thumbs up. But but I mean, if you're if you have a book that's going to be um, promoted by by Glad or, or or any other organization where where they're like, listen, here is a here is a a a gay superhero and she is out there and, and and she's out and and she's you know holding her own and and doing the same thing same job as batman does why if 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 someone if someone who is gay if, if a woman picks this up if and 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 reads this and sees you know well she's not shy I, they're 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 you know i'm I'm down with seeing some tit too. So, so I, it it may it, it may look like fan service, and as a straight dude, you might be like, okay, well, you know, a tit's a tit, but but if I'm gay and I'm seeing this, I might, you know, a dead nets, you know, that's great. Then they're writing a book for me too. Like, I'm not I'm not shy. I'm not. I I, I want to get my fuck on. So let me see it in my books. I get it, but imagine if this was say Aquaman, right? And and he's fighting with the same fervor and 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 calisthenics right and every time you see him you you get a a shot of the ridges of his penis right as he's bending back and it's like uh you get like the nut shot giant testicles i'm just yeah i'm i'm embellishing but it's the same thing like why do we need to see her nipples through the costume there the the costume couldn't be that thin that we'd get to see her there's no way that the costume would be that thin right I, I don't know. I just think it's it's a it's a uh, a concentration on things that have no bearing on the, either the character or the illustration. Maybe she goes into battle doing that as like many um, like like Power Girl with the boob window as a right. distraction or as there a you, you know a hole in her in her in her 
hard. I don't know, but I just thought well, it's. It, mm-hmm. I just thought it was. It was very um, not juvenile, but puerile a little. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I think it was the the concerns of rendering everything on this woman's anatomy. Uh, there's not a whole lot left to the imagination when she's in action, right? Mm-hmm. We 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 get to to see the boobs and exactly what's going on in the nipple and all the other things that follow. And I was like, why are we concentrating on that? Is is it a, a ploy to get? I don't know the... if we were. I mean, I wasn't. I mean, yeah, we I guess were. I didn't That's really. Fine. I mean, I it's... guess it seemed like nor. It, I guess I'm more in the line of Dap, where like I, I I can't say you're wrong in that her body's accentuated, but I guess that just felt like normal. Like that's like superhero. There's a lot of TNA in in the book, but I yeah I mean I'll I'll, I'll counter with a compl- compliment that I think he's owed, which is that I think he draws real women. Oh, I, sh- I like yeah. like like Flame Bird is yeah is, is like very skinny like I mean but in shape obviously because she's a she's a superheroine too. But but uh, you know Kate's got a little you know, round tummy, like when she's sitting down, like it yeah. just, I mean, he draws, they're beautiful and they're physically fit women, but, but they're not Barbie dolls. They're not yeah, like, no. I, I think when they're, when they're sitting or laying down or, not sporting or eight packs. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's more my problem now that I think about it. Cause mm-hmm. I think it's a, yes, um, the Vince became approved. We get it. It's fine. No, no. <laughs> it, I, I think the, the, maybe the goal was to say, all right, you have your man and your women, and they get together and they have this, 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 the, you know, the sexual encounters and they're not ashamed of it because that's the way it, it is, right? Well, this is another way that it is. And these women have, have sex and they, they, they enjoy and they revel in their body. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's like saying it's okay to sexualize women when they're lesbians because that's what i think the art does i think it, it very much hypersexualizes her there she's gorgeous and i mean and, we get we, we get pages of of uh of maggie and kate having literally a gay old time i mean they are they, they are in bed and, and yeah. mouths are open but and, uh, to their to his credit it's not excessive though it's, no, it's more it, just their faces. It's their it's it's right. more. Yeah. I think it's yeah, a, and, it's the, a, and the reaction is like I think the the reaction is more, um, is, is the the reaction gives you more than if you had just seen straight on uh, scissoring. I mean, it's just to be blunt, right. It's, but it's, I think the, the the saving not the saving grace, but one of the best parts of that sequence is it's two characters who obviously are attracted to, to each other and they're engaging in an act that expresses that that's awesome but i think there's there's honest to god emotion and heart behind that sequence it's not just like oh, sure, sure. Uh, you know i'm just going to push my face into your crotch right? right it's and i'm sure there was that because judging by the expression on kate's face <laughs> you know whatever uh but it's more like there's a there's there's emotion to it there's a background to it mm-hmm. there's a reason for these two characters to get together beyond just getting their rocks off i thought that was probably the best sequence in the entire uh five six issues was the maggie sawyer kate kane joining it's just great and it's it's it reminded me a little bit of kent williams mm-hmm. the 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 style that he employed in those panels which is hey you know you ring that bell if you gotta um i i think uh visually it's that was a great sequence yeah, but we're getting ahead of ourselves, right? That's all right. 
Uh, it's it's um, the 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 story concerns uh, La Llorona, as we said, the woman who uh, in this story was uh, distracted by uh, a couple of male um, uh, uh, buddies in a bar and didn't take note of her children and they they drowned and she was uh, grief-stricken, heartbroken, and followed suit. And now she's become this this spiritual uh, or paranormal entity that... um, is is uh destroying children in in Gotham City and it's i thought it was neat the way she took uh a, a triad form because the fates are three right and then you had this la llorona was not only a beautiful young woman but she was also an aged crone and she was a skeletal um apparition so that was neat it was nice seeing her depicted in an atypical way, which harkens to the fates. That was neat. Um, but the story is pretty much by the numbers. She kidnaps kids and takes them away, and 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 Batwoman wants to stop her. Um, meanwhile, Batwoman is drowning in her grief over her sister. It's, it's conceptual. It works. Um, the sister being Beth, who turned uh, heel... And became this this villain called Alice, which was not depicted in the story at all. But the ramifications of said events do factor into this because whenever uh, Kate is is in a situation where La Llorona is is working her her supernatural ways, Kate sees her sister Beth as Alice. And uh, it, it, it weighs on her, you know. And I think it, in in some sense, it, it it dragged her down. But in other sense, it buoyed her to the surface because she wanted to, you know. Uh, it, there was a nice little counterplay going on there. Um, you have the uh, religion of crime is still a backdrop from the the Rucka um, time. Uh, Maggie Sawyer, the transplant from Metropolis is now in Gotham. I always loved Maggie Sawyer. Same. She's, yeah, she's one of the best characters out of the Triangle era. Um, no nonsense. You know, I, I like Maggie because while she is a lesbian, um, she's neither hypersexualized nor is she militant. She just is. She's yeah. just a character who is, who, who prefers women. Big deal. Yeah. Right, it's not a big deal, and she's you know tough as friggin' nails. Um, head of the Metropolis SCU, it was she's great. She's a wonderful character. Um, in addition to Maggie Sawyer, you have Cameron Chase, well another great character to come out of uh, Detective Comics. Remember that, uh, and I think J. H. Williams actually drew that run, didn't he? The the Chase uh, run of... Um, I think so, yes. Detective, yeah. Chase is great. And she's working with the DEO, the Department of Extra Normal Operations, under Director Bones, who should not exist, but yet he does. He does? Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they want they want to get the, 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 the dibs on the Batwoman. They want to know what's going on, who she is, why she does what she does. And, and Bones is very interested in Kate. Um, uh, the, Abbott in the underworld is still a a 
uh, a factor in this thing with the were creatures and the the monsters that you know show up later in this run um and uh, Kate is struggling with uh Betty uh Betty Kane her her uh, cousin who is Flamebird and has worked with the Titans but but Betty seems appears to think that she's um more capable than she is because she's just like I need a costume I want to get out there you know any kid who just you know is is very enthusiastic and wants to skip the necessary steps in 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 the learning that always ends well yeah in the learning process Betty just wants a costume wants to be be Batwoman sidekick and 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 Kate's like no you need you, you know you need to you need to punch the clock you need to get some experience under your belt and get rid of that bright garish flamebird costume and and you need you're a soldier in this war and betty's like yeah well good thing i got a backup and that's exactly what she does she goes out on her own at one point and it's neat because the uh, betty going out as flame bird is juxtaposed with maggie sawyer and kate getting their business on so it makes kate seem like she's negligent in her tutelage of betty because she's not there she's having fun you know and uh betty gets uh embroiled in a conflict with the hook and is gutted literally gutted uh in the process and ends up on a uh a gurney and she's not doing so well and uh it's all part of the the uh the overarching uh i guess you could say that that kate is is a very um she's a uh, maybe a helicopter mentor. She's she she wants to be there for for Betty, but she has a life, right? Uh, I again, I I don't. There's not enough of Kate depicted in this story to make me say, you know, make me claim whether I like the character or not. That's my main problem with this. At the end of the day, when you pull out of this series, you don't get a huge. Um, hook into the character of Kate Kane. She just is, right? Yeah, she's she's grief stricken over her mother and her sister, but you don't see any of that in the in the actual narrative. We're told that she's upset and she's you know at the end of her rope, and her dad wronged her in some way, but yet he he supports her, and and Batman's trying to get her on his side. But to me, Kate seems like kind of a cipher. She really has no personality at all. There's no emotion behind the character at all to me. It just seems like she's when she's in the field as Batwoman, yes, she's she's very um in your face and you get the the mental gymnastics and everything going on on the page. But when she's with Maggie and and Betty and uh, she just seems like a cardboard cutout. Am I wrong am I wrong to think that? Like, can you say that you know Kate Kane at the end of these six issues? No, I think you're 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 right on with what we get in in this arc. But but it's it's it is so colored for me by if you read this as I think it was intended as the you know fourth or fifth arc of her story, then I think you already know her. You know what she's about. But yes, but in as much as this is a volume one. And her first titular title, uh, yeah, no, I agree. You're, you're left, you're left wondering a lot about her. 
Right. But she she shows some emotion when she's with Maggie. Uh, it just everything's bearing down on her, and she she lets go a tear, and it's like, oh, that's that's so touching. It's great. I, I just want to I want to see the character just scream and rail and just slam shit and just let it all like let's see some emotion here. It just seems like she's just um, I don't know a, a a sounding board for all of the characters around her. I don't know. And and we shouldn't need to recall what came before or what came after. This is a self-contained six-issue trade paperback, or in my case, uh, hardcover. I know you guys read it. So the the story should be, um, we should get things within the story that reveal the character, whether it's part of a big tapestry or not. There should be a requisite amount of information to let us know this character and i don't think there's really uh, all that here in the these issues jaw-droppingly gorgeous yeah it's amazing like some of these these spreads deserve to be uh you know hung on every wall all of them really but I, again i just don't think it's it's all that i gotta stop saying it because i sound like a broken record there's there, this is a, a beautiful woman gorgeous like the, some of the 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 most attractive uh physical qualities of a woman you've ever seen and you go up to her and you start talking to her and she's she's vapid she's soulless that's what this is to me it's amazingly gorgeous but there's really not a whole lot of substance uh behind the the visuals yeah no i i don't i don't disagree i don't disagree but but i I think because of the downplaying of the craft of the writing, I even though you've said it a million times, I hope we're not um, underselling how amazing the art is. Because like even with some of these pages that are just advancing the story, I mean, where where she's uh, at the start of the next issue, I mean, and and by the way, we keep talking about JH, and he's certainly the 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 main the main person of credit here, but. But Dave Stewart deserves a ton of credit yeah. too, because because in the second issue, it's 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 Kate and Flamebird fighting some ne'er do wells, and first of all, you get these amazing things that JH does, where he as as they're as they're carefully hitting their opponents so well that it's breaking their bones, hmm. right? He gives you these interstitial squares where it's like an X-ray, and you see the bones breaking. Yeah. But then at the same time, in these panels, first of all, the panels are not they're 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 uh, amorphous well they're not amorphous but they're 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 not they're not horizontal and then the thing where dave stewart gets a ton of credit is and i'm sure this is by in part jh's idea everybody from Flamebird to the villains that she's fighting are pure are just straight flat and then she is luminous she's got like light sources aplenty. <laughs> yeah. Her, she looks alive, three dimensional, her leather shines quite literally. Um, but everything else in, in on the pages is flat. And I just think that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just, and then, and then the double page after that, you get the same conceits, the same x-ray and whatnot. But then they're talking about Batman incorporated and how Kate's not thinking about joining it in, in spite of Batman's invitation. And then in the background, you have this, 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 this gray and beige hewn um, gallery of, of different members of the Batman Incorporated. And it's, 
in a whole nother style. It's almost evocative of like a Darwin look in places. I was going to say uh, either like uh, James Jean or uh, or Jay Lee. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, I was thinking about James Jean when I was reading this, and and Jean is great. Um, I know this may you know get a lot of of our listeners a little turnt, but I think J. H. Williams is so much better than James Jean. It, to my eye, I get some people turned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, case in point, the um, and and I know Gene doesn't do sequentials per se. He, he's more of a cover artist, and and you got to give him the props for that. He's awesome. But um, there's a, a spread in this where Maggie Sawyer is at a crime scene with uh, Chase, and she's walking through the crime scene, and she's saying, "Okay, this is how I think it happened." And you see the latent images of the the criminals doing, or the were criminals in this case, doing what they did. And then you see the, the traces of Maggie moving through time. It is one of the best spreads ever. It is gorgeous and amazing. And conceptually, there's a reason for the number of figures in the, the, the spread. Like it, Maggie's speaking, and as she's speaking, she's moving through the crime scene. Uh, in time, it's great. It 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 it's it's why comics were invented, um, uh, and and it's just I look at this and I'm thinking, J. H. Williams has a gigantic dick. As, in, in terms of you know uh, being an illustrator, he's got one of the biggest dicks in the room. He's amazing, and and he's not only um, on the surface illustrating this thing beautifully, but he's using the mechanics of comics of sequential art to his advantage like how much better do you get guys like would walk into a room with jh and just say all right yeah i guess we'll go down the burger king down the street because jh is here they don't need us oh yeah he's definitely one of those guys that peep that people within the industry just genuflect over sure and for just reason right there's a there's a, a, a it, it's blatantly obvious why this guy is so revered i don't know and and it just goes on and on like i think that is the pinnacle for me that that spread is the best in this six issue run but there are many others like it um that are almost as good and it just it it, it compounds it's just it's exhausting to look at williams's art and Stewart, because it just takes so much uh, out of you that it's like, oh, I need a shower. This thing has, has purged all of this beautiful stuff out of me. And then, you know, uh, here you get the, the, the story that just doesn't, it's not doing it. It's, it's not. Uh, but, I mean, I don't want to say this is an art book. The story's okay, but it is an art book. <laughs> I don't want to. The story took a backseat. I, I mean, oh I, yeah. The story's. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine for a Batman universe tale, but it, that wasn't, you know, the religion of crime, the the weeping woman. Like a lot of that was just there for for me in any case, just to let Williams do his thing. And there were um, what's what's what I found fascinating reading this is the different and, and as Jason pointed out with, with, with Dave Stewart's assistance the different styles Williams employed throughout and I'm just talking about like from a line 
perspective because there's there are the pages where Maggie at the precinct when Kate comes by and and they see and and they reintroduce themselves to each other or even the pages where uh Kate's dad is is talking to someone or or uh, the, the the lines are are thicker the outlines are 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 wider and it just it's it, it almost reminds me in some cases like of, of of Jeff Darrow or just just somebody with a different line altogether and and, and yeah Dar- definitely it, Darrow like the yeah absolutely they're on the the like the flat flat pages of people talking Darrow yeah. a lot for sure and yeah. and it's it's um I I it, it's obviously you know the, the same person drawing it because there there are panels where you know he uses he uses both like when uh, when Kate is dressed as Batwoman and 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 she's talking to um. She's talking to, to Flame Bird, or or she's she she's talking to to Maggie, or when Maggie was talking to uh, to Chase in in the park. It's like Maggie's got that that thicker outline, and and Chase is the more thin, and and it's just it. I'm just I was more involved with the art than the story, and and uh, again, you know, the, the story is fine. It's it's a mystery, and and. They're trying to solve things, and it's there's the whole background with the DEO and and what happens with Flame Bird, and it's that that's all fine. But that was not that isn't what kept me turning each page. And in some cases, it was hard for me to turn a page because I couldn't stop looking at pages. Yeah, I I think when Williams gets all painterly, it just it's mesmerizing. Like again, in that. That, that spread where Maggie's going through the crime scene and you have the, the creatures and they're all fully painted. It's like, oh, it's gorgeous. But I'm not going to say it again. I, 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 I will not comment on the, the out-of-kilter uh, weight of the, the art against the narrative. I'm done. Just take uh, – that's, that's my comment. It's not balanced. So whatever. It's, it's, it's getting old. I'm not going to say it again. Um. Uh, I, I think Williams's Batman is, to my eyes, it looks like the the Adam West. The, the it's, it's kind of great morally. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He looks like the the elder statesman of the Bat yeah. universe. Uh, it's not a bad thing. I think it, his. Uh, no, but it's definitely that that nineteen thirties kind of that that old school Batman yeah. cowl. Look. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got a button underneath the collar, and I'm. I'm kind of glad that we don't see much of of J.H. Uh, Williams because um, I think too much would be <laughs> would just be too much. Like Less special, yeah. Save it for the the events like like Sandman Overture and stuff. Um, it was a treat to. Uh, I don't have too much of a connection with with Flamebird, um, not this Flamebird anyway. And so her storyline was almost like, you know, dumb kid, look what you did. You should have known better, but you didn't listen to those more experienced or wiser than you. And you got, you got yourself effed up in the process. Um, I never liked the father all that much. He just seemed to be a reason for the whole uh yeah he's like your thunderbolt raw so you're uh your your lois lane's dad like just yeah the, the paternal guy who's got a grudge against the hero I, I was able to tolerate him in the um in the post rebirth detective run when when batman had the whole um his whole 
cadre in the tower. Oh, that's right. The He's there with the with the freaking clay face. That's right. Yeah, yeah so, I so forgot that's about that. I mean, I, I can tolerate him. I understand that you know him getting there is because he was also here. So there was there was that growth. There was that relationship that he and Kate had to form over time, and it, it made sense there. So I was I, I was fine with him there, um, and I have to kind of realize that this was before that. So so this character has some ways to go before he gets there. So, I mean, I, I, I knew who he becomes. I just, he was just, yeah, he was just kind of, he was here because they had to keep reminding us about, um, you know, Kate's time at West Point and, and whether or not, you know, he's providing her equipment. Well, we've come a long way from don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> Haven't we? I'd like to think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd hope so. Probably not, as much as yeah, I mean, not not for us to say completely, but yes, it would yeah. seem that we at least have come come decent away from there for sure. Your sexual preference is no longer a reason for expulsion at this point. So yeah, yeah. no, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you guys, so um, I don't have very much more to say about this uh, other than. Um, some of well, I think people listening may be like I just I'll say just to be clear, I think it's this volume is definitely worth looking at. Yes, I don't, I I wouldn't say I have a strong inclination to tell people they should keep reading from here. Um, for those that are Comicsology Unlimited people, the first two volumes are available for free, or you know as part of your your Unlimited. Uh, the the second two are not. I wouldn't drop a lot of ducats on them now there's huge sales right now so if you do if you are vibing with it by all means i I read it all back in the day um but i would suggest that you go backwards i i i I think that there is a tremendous amount of story uh a very satisfying arc with a lot of intrigue and uh with multiple layers to it and a lot of character development in the rutka jh williams detective stuff which came before this so um i would recommend you go backward not forward if you're going to look to experience more yeah that makes sense yep yep uh if you want to see just how good sequential art can get by a master illustrator by all means you need to pick this up because um these are uh, all of them are among the the best pages ever produced i think in the medium, I got a mean love for for J. H. Williams. Rightfully so. Yeah, uh, and and I kind of hate him because he, uh, you know, he's not the fastest gun in the West, but he makes it look so freaking easy. Like those pages with Kate doing all her somersaults and twists and and uh, figure work overlaid over figure work and another figure next to it that is not easy it's not not easy to do that because you, you not only have do you have to take into account the figure of the moment you have to take into account the figure before and the figure after it and it's just mm-hmm. it's maddening in terms of composition but he's a wizard um yeah it's just just amazing yeah well there you go um well, we we hope we've given you a reason to check out Batwoman Hydrology. Uh, Jason said it's available on Comixology. Go there or, you know, uh, buy it in physical form. 
if you want. It's out there. It exists. There's a number of of ways this thing you can get this thing. There's the the trade, the hardcover. The, I think there's an there's a I think there's a premier edition hardcover out there. If I don't know what the DC premier edition's called, but whatever. For for those wondering, according to the backflap, W. Hayden Blackman has spent his entire career combining art with words in comic books and video games. As a writer, creative director, and executive producer, he has launched several best-selling video games, including Star Wars, The Force Unleashed, for which he won writing awards from the Writers Guild of America and the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences. He has written over 100 comic books, working on such titles as Star Wars Republic, Darth Vader and the Last Command, and Hellboy Weird Tales. He is currently, as of this writing, co-writing Batwoman with J.H. Williams III for DC Comics. So I guess he did a lot of work for Dark Horse. Well, and then I do have to say my own memory sucks because in 2018... J.H. Williams and Blackman announced Echo Lands that was going to be their next big project at Image, and J.H. talked about Echo Lands on our show. So shame on me for not remembering that. But uh, but also, it's worth pointing out we're entering 2021 this week, and we haven't seen Echo Lands yet. So yeah. so I'm not sure whatever came of that, but that was the plan. So nice. There you go, BOTM. Hope you love it. Next uh, book of the month will be a tr- more traditional. Uh, Endeavor, we will float out a list of 11 books to our patrons, and they go and pick which one they want by the traditional process, which is voting. It's the way things are done. If you don't like the shit, you vote it out. As we've done. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) see, I just kind of opened it up for you. But um, I don't know who's going to pick them. Maybe it'll be a a three-headed monster. We'll see. But there will be 11 titles from which to choose and if you are a patron you get to click i want this one and you cross your fingers and hope that you win patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics the the only the only times we um like we said before this year uh we um we 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 decided on what we were going to discuss more than we have in the past, more than we plan to in the future. Next year, I, I know for a fact, the only one we definitely have planned is probably April when we all finally get our hands on the Defenders Omnibus. We'll, we'll pick stories from that. So that we agreed on months ago. Um, so that that's in the bag. The only time one of us, there are three times a year where one of us gets to pick all 11 uh, for various reasons, whether it's Vincent Haar, whether it's someone's birthday, whether it's just because, but um, but for the most part, I think 2021, we should have the majority of the months uh, we will have the polls open so you can make your votes, make your voices heard with your vote, and um, and it will be fun. It sure will. But that ain't all we got tonight. No. Um, I'm thinking, you know, the the Captain America omnibus comes before the Defenders omnibus. So maybe we can do something with the De- Captain America omnibus too. If if, too? Not, <laughs> if 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 not a book of the month, then maybe a you know. Oh, just, we can definitely. Yeah, no. Yeah, we no could team up that. on that. Because I started, um, I started reading the. I, I know you're you either finish it already or you're well into it. I I did start. Um, because the 
the, the, the pull is strong with it. And, and even though I have other things I should be doing, um, when I see this Superman, Man of Steel, Volume 1 hardcover sitting next to me, it's hard for me not to kind of read some pages. So I'm, I'm kind of also going through that and going down memory lane. But um, to take the dust yeah. jacket off? Yeah, that's a, it's a beautiful cover. Right? Why, do you, yeah. why, why did you even put the dust jacket on it? And what, what, what kills me is so, so there's this fancy, there's a really nice looking front and back cover underneath the dust jacket. And then I look at the DC through the eighties, the end of eras. And it's just, it's, it's just like the Batwoman. It's just, it's just flat black with the, um, well, you got yours already. The Oh, I didn't get mine yet. It's coming in my box. How did you get it before me? Because I didn't order it when it was solicited. I got mine from Amazon. Oh, wow. That explains a lot. It didn't make the cut, and it was it was a couple bucks more later on. But convenience wins, and and um and it's fine. I mean, I would have, I was getting it regardless, and especially after Hassan posted it, I was just like, well, I mean, I'm I'm yeah, it, it's and and knowing that it's only three volumes, I think it's a great idea. I love the concept. Eighties was my jam, so I'm all about it. Um, knowing it's three volumes makes it a lot easier. I didn't. I must have missed the solicit. I must have missed that in the solicit initially because I didn't know it was three volumes. And since I have either have or have read almost all of the issues in the book, I was like, eh, maybe not. And then I see Tom King tweet about it. And he talks about the essays and then Hassan's talking about the essays. And I was right. just like, I got to I just did. You know, peer pressure is a motherfucker. It really is. I it's have just, ordered so many awesome. things because some guy on uh, one of one of First our buddies. Slide. Yeah. Well, on the Slack, I'll say something. Oh, just got this. I'm like, God damn it. I didn't order that, but now I want it because somebody I love is, is enjoying it and I need to have it. And, and, you know, luckily I did order the 80 stuff. And when Hassan did his little thing, I'm like, yeah, it's on my list. Yeah. My brother. Yeah. yeah. But I hope they do a 90s and a 70s. That'd be great. 70s would be awesome. 90s, I probably, <sighs> see, yeah, nineties I probably would get also. Only to read about the things that I may have not. I've either I mean I've read a lot of the nineties stuff well after the fact, but um, to read from people who were there at the time, if they continue doing the essays, that would um, that would definitely because that's that's all the DVD extra stuff that that that's I would care more about what they have to say about working on these books at the time than some of the the content in the book, right. So what else do we have? I'm sure Jason has a lot to talk about. I look at his list, and it's like there's a lot of things on there. It's like 83 pages, yeah. Eh. <laughs> uh, well, again, it's just it's I choose to do my list differently than you guys. I just keep stuff on there. But um, and we could talk about X-ray robot. Uh, we could, we could. Um, you you happen to pick something I'm having trouble remembering now, though. So maybe you should. Oh, t- okay. I, no, I, I, I it's some of these have been on here for long enough, and I'm old. I I, I start to, I, have to if I wish I had the book sitting here and I could refresh my memory, but uh, I, I, I do I do. Why don't when, you talk you, about 19 so I don't have to hear it again? Why? why I don't know. Um, I just I'm going by the name of it. 19. Didn't we what? just talk a few weeks ago? I hate when you guys do this. Like you just throw a book off my list out because I'm not. I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily. I I got it. I what about reckless next to me? <laughs> well, reckless. I'm waiting did for you two you, clowns you to read. I'll look at my list, mother. Yeah, it's not on mine because I didn't read it yet. 
Yeah. No, I, I, it was, it, it, it's, it's impossible to put down Vince. It yeah. really is. But honestly, 19, I can just mention quickly because, because that, so there's a number of, um, I got a, sh- a ship, shipment from Drawn and Quarterly, and 19 is one of them. Um, it's, it's written and drawn by, uh, I don't know if I'm saying the name right, Anco, A N C C O is, is the name of the creator, uh, one name. And it's a shocking, Vince, you'll be shocked to hear this. It's a coming of age book. <laughs> That's why um, I picked it, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, but honestly, I, I, the, the big takeaway for, for 19 and for um, uh, The Contradictions, which is another book that uh, I got from D&Q um, last month and read, I read them both in the same sitting, is that they were disappointing. Um, just in as much as, as, since I do tend to read a lot of that kind of stuff, neither of them left me... I didn't view either as, as a particularly top of the craft version of, of that story type story type, both very depressing. Um, like maudlin though, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, to, like to where it was like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. Like it's just you, you, 2020, probably not the year to be reading this kind of thing. So, um, right. Anko is a young creator as I understand it. And, and I, I think there's a lot there. Um, it's it's autobiographical as I understand it to a point. Um, I think the art is interesting. There's it's it's very free. There's not um, definitely more like up your alley, Vince. In terms of, I mean, I don't think, and I don't honestly know if Anko is a boy or a girl to be honest, or how they identify. Um, it's it's definitely a story of of like just a confident line. Not you know this is not like precise. It, it, this is anti J H Williams. You, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 just putting pen to paper to tell a story and uh, not really worrying about it beyond that. And I and I I think there's a place for that too, obviously. Um, but yeah, really depressing story. Like like just not a lot. Like not hasn't hasn't had a good life, <laughs> and is too young to have figured out if they can come out of it into a better life. So um, yeah, I guess yeah. that's the week because I have another depressing one, maybe. I'll get into it later on, but I'm I'm after reading it. I'm like, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable, but I don't think it's necessary or it's needed at this point to to um, spread this kind of stuff at the end of a really shitty year, you know. And I'll be honest, it's a Charles Forsman book, mm-hmm. right? Um, Charles Forsman has had a lot of success with. Um, you know, it's the end of the effing world, and uh, I'm not okay with this, but I think both of them are on Netflix, right? One of them is, one of them will be, whatever. I mean, the guys had success, but this book was just, uh, it, it's it's um, Slasher. Have any of you read it? No. No. It's rough. Uh, it's 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 downbeat, and, and it's about a woman who just loves uh, bloodletting and pain and to the point where it gets her... It gets her to orga. It brings her to orgasm, and she becomes a killer. Uh, she, there's not a bright light in this book. <laughs> so I and I was. I, it's one of the problems with reading something like this when when we we have an outlet like ours. And how do you bring a story to the show that's just basically killing, um, maiming? Uh, it does not have a bright and sunny ending, 
And how do you say, wow, I really enjoyed this? Like, doesn't that, doesn't that cast me in a bad light when I say I no, enjoyed it? No. 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 Well, it's, it, it's, it's, I mean, it could still be, um, it, entertaining is probably not the right word, but, but there, there's still some value out of it. I oh, think. lots and, of value. And, and but so, 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 yeah. So, I mean, it might not be uplifting and, and sunshine and lollipops, but there's still, um, it's, you don't necessarily have to be drawn to something or, you know, if you read, it's, it's like, you know, it's like when you laugh at, 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 at a poorly timed or inappropriate joke, it, it, it's like going back and, and looking at, you know, and, and, and understanding the joke in, in, in James Gunn's old, old tweets, you know, and, and that, that, you know, Disney yeah, it's good analogy. It, it's like, you know, well, I, mean, I, I like the dark side. Exactly. But, but not many people do. I mean, I have to, exactly. I have to understand the fact that there are, there are for, for any, every one person that may resonate with the stuff I say, there's hundreds that don't, right? Because I like the downbeat, the downtrodden, the, the dark side. I like when, when, when you take the corpse and split it down the middle and open it up for everybody to see it. Not many people like that, but that's what this book was. It's, One of it, the funniest things you ever told me was, was the story you relayed to me that the story Johnny Ryan told after he and his wife lost their child. Yeah. That's rough, and, right? And that is that is that's that anybody else would hear that and they would just think the absolute worst. They would think that per, that they would just I I think no that probably, just like lit me up right? exactly yeah and I I still think about it. I mean I even told my wife and I'm like and and she chuckled. It is just like it's one of those fucked up things where so but yes that's and and I'm you know it, it's not necessarily something that. I think most of the people want to hear, so that's why I'm not going right, to. Have, right, I'm, not, right. I'm not going to tell the story, and I don't want Vince to tell the story. But it, it's 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 one of those situations where it's like, if you know, it's it, it's meant to relieve some pain, but but it's yeah, there are some people who absolutely would find that funny. It, it, it's not it's not the best thing in the world to hear, and it may not be the funniest thing you you'll ever hear, but it's. There are some people that, that that's going to strike a chord where it's just going to be funny. And there are people who are going to be absolutely appalled by it. Anyway. Aghast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I enjoy being aghast. And it's hard to get me to that. I think that's the that's the thing. It's hard to get me to to be shocked at anything. When you can pull it off, oh man, you're you're in the the winner's circle for me. And I and I think this book uh slasher did that, but it's it's not something that it, it it's like necromantic great movie but try and get somebody to watch it not gonna happen you know you can only get so far until you're just like this, <laughs> this is depraved why am i why, yeah. why am i subjecting myself to this uh your mileage may vary uh i enjoy it but anyway so what else what else do we have i don't want to talk about the charles forsman book huh yeah, no. Well, I just want to. I just want to mention because the other book, the contradictions, like I said, that was D and Q as well. That's right by Sophie Yano, and um, there it's funny because like on. So I mean, I named one of my kids after Holden Caulfield. So you did. I certain yes, I did. So I I very much have like an affinity in literature for the you know angsty nihilistic teen kind of character. 
And I was I really thought the contradictions would be a huge hit to me because the premise is there's a character named Sophie. I'm presuming based on the creator herself, Sophiana, and she's flitting around Europe, kind of doing the backpacking thing. And she has a friend, Zena, and they go around the, the they go around Europe together. Um, but Zena is just a straight fucking wet blanket. I mean, about everything. Like nothing's cool. You know, she's one of those people where just nothing is cool. Anything that other people might think is cool or get joy, she just can't. She thinks is dumb or irrelevant or stupid. And the book is basically like Sophie going around with this Xena, and Xena just shitting on everything they're doing, even though they're going to museums and seeing all these beautiful places in Europe. And and then Sophie's always trying to get her to see the other side of things. And I get that the message is sort of like, if you're not careful, you, life can just pass you by and you need to even when things aren't perfect you should take a moment to try and understand what is good about it like i get that and that's a worthwhile message but and maybe it's when i read it but man i'm just like okay already like why are you still hanging with this chick like th- like the whole expat scene in europe is vibrant you could have met a million other people you could backpack around with like why are you bothering to try and like turn her frown upside down and when it's dragging you down just just peace out to her and go about your business and go and it's not like they have like it's not like they're a love interest or anything so it's it's just like man i mean like it, it's it just makes sophie seem very uh self-flagellating and i i just didn't understand i, I think i get the, what she was trying to go for and believe it or not the book is somewhat of a comedy in the sense that there are these comedic moments but but I just found the character of Xena so unappealing uh, in no small part because it's not some fictional story where they're just an obvious antagonist. I mean, I took her to be a, a, a cipher for probably real people she spent time with. And I thought, well, that's just a shit person. I don't know why you want to spend time <laughs> with this person. So, yeah, just 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 another. And, and that now and, and I will say I haven't seen much review of 19 one way or the other. I, I But but I I the contradictions is has gotten all the love. Like you all know, I worship at the altar of Tilly Walton and she, she, she's one of the, um, the endorsement quotes for the book. And Alison Bechdel is one of the endorsement quotes for the book. So, so this is a pedigree book where people that are masters of that type of storytelling have, have given it the thumbs up. Um, so it, it, it just could be that it didn't particularly resonate with me, but it's, it's going to get lots of love. And I, I believe that it was a, it is a web comic and this was a collection of the web comic. So this could be something that's far more widely read than I realized when I ordered it because, you know, I'm not so plugged into the web comic scene, but, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, generally speaking, drawn and quarterly has a pretty huge hit rate, but these last two for me, just, just, Give me the limp dick, limp dick, limp dick skit. <laughs> you know, it's good to hear you say that, though. You're honest. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, um, yeah. I mean, uh, the the I will say that um, uh, scumbag number two, controversial, because it was drawn by Andrew Robinson. We've been through this. Obviously, mm-hmm. it was it was drawn before. Yeah. Well, it's drawn before. I mean, Rick had no idea where Andrew stood right. about worldviews. Some of us had inklings, but 
but regardless of that, it was drawn by Andrew. And, and I, I, as I think I've mentioned on the show, I have four or five commissions from Andrew. So I, I that again, before I knew what kind of where his worldviews were. Um, so I think he's a very talented illustrator. Uh, and I think the issue looked great and it was, uh, it was more dumb fun. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that like I read issue number two of scumbag issue number two of sweet tooth, the return issue number two of taskmaster, uh, the second part of Friday, which is the Brew Baker, you know. Um, oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 not surprisingly, because they're all issue number twos, they were all good, but very much issue number twos, right? Furthering the story, kind of taking us a little bit further on the journey, but not. They didn't have the wow moments of the first issues where you're getting introduced to these new ideas, and they're far enough away from the climactic parts of the story that they, they were, they were very, I mean, for the most part, all of them I thought were good issues and I was happy to have read them, but I didn't think any of them were on par or better than the first issues of each of those works. So, right. Cause it's like, it's, it's, it's more of a, in the middle type of thing. Um, and, and we haven't gotten to the, to the, to the dessert yet, the payoff. Right. So, um, it was a weird, week or two for me and that a lot of these things were very good. Like all of those were good and, and I'm still excited to continue to read those series, but I didn't, they weren't jaw on the floor. Like I have to talk about these books in great detail because I want everybody to read them. Like hopefully you read them based on our enthusiasm, our collective enthusiasms for the first issues of all that stuff. And we'll continue to, but, but I'm waiting for the payoff and the same could be said for Barbellion red planet number two as well. I, 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 I thought the same of that. Like lots of, lots of number two blues. I think you mm. got to be careful. You can't read too many number two issues all at once because you're going to be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, this is the right for the trade era. I, I, I yeah, right. Yeah. Sophomore slump. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Not exactly a fan of that. I don't know who is, but the mechanics of the writing for the trade, it becomes tiresome after a while, doesn't it? Oh, totally formulaic. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. But it, it's, it's a, a dance that everybody's doing these days. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I should be fair to Friday because that's a web, right? That's a panel syndicate. I can't say that that is really a writing for the trade. I, I don't, that, that was just another chapter, and I don't even know how long they plan on going with that. So I should probably pull that out of that collection of, of titles I mentioned, because while I stand by what I said that I didn't think issue, uh, the second chapter didn't didn't entice me as much as the first chapter, um, it was that, unlike these others, further was a story unto itself of furthered things. You get a lot of, of further background about her relationship uh, with her crime-solving partner and how they ended up going from best buddies all these years to doing the nasty and how it totally ruined their friendship. And um, so there was a lot of charm to that book. And I, 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 I have to say, I have found myself continually checking in on panel syndicate to see when the third chapter is going to drop. So, so of all of those books, that was probably the one that I was most excited by as the, in terms of second chapters. Nice. Got to fucking read Reckless Vince. God damn. I, I will. I, I, well, I need to read it before I do my eleven o'clock cruise, just in you case. Do. Well, yeah. that's yes, yes. Yeah. I, I got to say though, I I I, I look through it. Um, 
he seems to be a little spare on the line work in this. By yeah. design, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's definitely yeah. a different look than I think than by design. Though, yeah. Pulp. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I mean, we we get into it when when we all read it. But I mean, it, it it read to me just like something out of, uh, and maybe it's because we are currently watching Justified. We watched Out of Sight recently because that's one of my all-time favorite movies, and and it's based on an more Leonard story. So I mean, I, I it, this feels like something that I would have. Um, that 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 Elmore Leonard would have written. It's uh, I just I, I re- I'm not super keen on this particular cover. I think the cover for the next volume is is a stronger one. It, it's just wow. I, love the, I, I love I love the colors of this cover, but it's just it's weird. I'm looking at the cover and I'm like, you know, for the the sign for the Ricardo was just like off to the side. We see Elliot's back and then we see Wilder up there, but it, it's just like it it just the images are just kind of thrown together like like i'm not i'm I'm not it just to me it just doesn't it's not cohesive but but the second volume looks the cover i'm not judging a book by its cover but the the second volume cover i really really like but um as ed explains in in the back matter there there's this is a there's gonna be a series of of reckless volumes and i'm i'm so down for that yeah, I, I love you, but for the record, I think you're out of your goddamn mind. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I mean, the colors are great. I love how everybody's like a different, and and, and everybody looks fantastic. It's just I'm looking. I, I just I'm not. What what throws me off is probably the car explosion, and again, the out of business sign. Just just hanging out there. It's I I mean, it, it it serves a purpose. It's it's where you know it's where Ethan works, but it's and, and lives. But I just it it just it it, it seems odd. I, I I like the title. I like the credits, and then it's just. It, it for me it it just looks like a hodgepodge of images. It, it I don't see it as it, it, it's not a strong. It's, I've seen. You don't have to. Uh, Sean ex- explain much stronger covers. I know, I know, and it's fine. I'm, I'm I could be nuts. It, it's great. I don't. I just. It is a little odd how the purple hair chick's hair sprays uh, splays upon his back. That's a little weird. I think she could have a better placement. Uh, the the head would be a better place somewhere else. I agree. Okay, but I love the lines. I just I it, it every every image by itself looks fantastic. It's just the way they're composed. Them. Yeah. But, okay. I uh, yeah. I get it. I get it. Get it. Okay. Um, I did. Uh, speaking of of the uh, of Renee Montoya, is the question I did fit in again. So so we can get our Oscars in, and I can vote uh, or I can pick make my my favorites. Um, appropriately, I'm, I'm catching up on everything that I've let pile up um, over the past handful of months. Uh, I'm just about done with the Jimmy Olsen maxi series, and I did finish the Lois Lane maxi series, which is collected as Lois Lane, Enemy of the People, um, by Greg Rucka and Mike Perkins. It was, um, I, I, as a story being it, it was weird in some spots i i think you know lois being a strong reporter i i just i like this version of lois lane because it reminds me of the burn and the triangle era um it's uh her working with uh, her association with with renee with, with the question worked uh in this story it ended on a um on on a somewhat of a high note, it 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 definitely 
um, worked in conjunction with with the with the story Bendis was telling in in the Superman books, and it was a way since Rucka was working with Lois Lane, the character in this story, um, she didn't have to be front and center all the time in Superman in action, and, and Bendis was able to I mean, use her when you know because because. You know, Superman would fly to Chicago when you go to see her, and and that's fine. So she was there. It's not like she was always around or, or at the planet, and, and she wasn't stealing the spotlight. It it, it definitely worked. The story Bendis was telling in in his books, um, but there was a whole um, kind of a, a, a supernatural aspect. There was there was a couple of pages. Um, I think maybe it was in in the um, in the ninth, either the 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 ninth or 10th issue where um, they were explaining um, someone actually explained um, multiverses. There, there was a, um, there was a, a woman who is, who's a witch. Um, and she, she's brought to, to Chicago and, she is ne- she is needed because there's there's uh the an assassination attempt being made on uh on lois and and there's a there's an awesome double page spread in in the tenth issue where Rucka does a breakdown of of the multiverse and there is it, it it's basically you know um Breaking it down in layman's terms, the, the quick version is that there are multiple versions of you. This is possible because there are multiple universes because we, in fact, inhibit inhabit a, a multiverse. And it's um, the idea that for every decision you make, there's another universe where you made a different choice, blah, blah, blah. There's a quantum physics argument for this. Uh, and more and more and more universes potentially come into existence each fraction of a fraction of a second. And they there's a... Um, there are drawings of the Trinity and the there's, you know, the original Superman from the cover of action comics, number one. And then there's a, a different Superman. It's an alien. And there's, then, then there's, what looks like Supergirl throwing the card. There's, there's the burn version of Krypton. Um, there's a, uh, it looks like maybe an Elseworlds version of Superman or Superman with Laurie Lamaris, which of course is, is from back in the day. Then the other panel is Batman where, um, you know, it's it's Bruce and his family and with a sibling. So so it's Bruce, a sibling, and his parents walking along being happy. Then then of course there's the cover to Batman four oh four with with Bruce kneeling next to his dead parents, and then there's the killing joke cover, and then there's Batman from his pirate days as an Elseworlds book. There's a couple there's a panel of, of Wonder Woman with different versions of, of her throughout the years. And it was one of the best explanations and, and breakdowns of of the multiverse that I've it, it, it just simple like across a couple of pages that um, it was a hell of a lot better told than the uh, Tales of the Dark Multiverse. But it, it was it, it was weird to see it in in a Lois Lane book of all things. There's a whole Swamp Thing section uh, uh, that flash section um 
and then it goes even into some dark areas with with Batwoman and Huntress. It, it's just it was neat to see, but but overall, um, you know, with the assassination attempt and the work that Renee, as the question was doing, she goes to Batman to get some information because Batman's like, you know, Lois has her own lapdog. Like, why are you coming to me to have me, you know, do your research? And um, because a Lois doesn't want Superman to worry, but um, this Batman can go to places that Superman can't or won't and, and can find information that, you know, Superman won't necessarily would consider going through to look for. Um, so, you know, Batman helped them out. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think you know, overall I enjoy, I think the series started off stronger. It, it, it got, it, it didn't get weak in the middle. It just, and I'm not going to say it lost its way because, because Rucka was obviously telling a story from start to finish, but, um, it kind of shifted it. It, it felt like it became a different story. Um, toward the latter half of the middle and again i mean it i think it stuck the landing it was it, it was a fine um it was a fine tale uh featuring these characters it was i was happy to see um you know how everything how everything was resolved um and uh and because this came out did this happen before superman revealed his identity there were moments where because renee is kind of watching over she she's kind of sort of lois's bodyguard for the most part but um because there is an assassination attempt on lois renee is hanging out on rooftops across the hotel things like that she's always watching the windows and and she sees superman stop by from time to time and then of course she sees superman kiss her and and so renee of course is thinking that something's going on between the two of them and you know here's a married woman and then so so lois kind of had to she didn't explain anything, but but it was mostly you know telling Renee to mind her own business. But I think I think it worked well with in conjunction with with, with Bendis's story. And I'm knowing how Action Comics ended. I really need to finish the Jimmy Olsen series because I want to know how. Well, I, I know how Jimmy's going to find out certain things, but but I gotta. I'm along for the journey, but but I gotta see how how we get to the. Uh, how we get to the destination. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm reading everything I can to see where things are going to fall on the, uh, for my Kloskers. I think Jimmy Olsen is going to, um, factor very heavily in our listeners, uh, picks. And that's in, and normally, I would look at the results to see if maybe I haven't, if I missed something or if I should start, if I have something on pile that I should get to, I'll look at what they're, they're picking. And I'm like, okay, let me see where that falls and I'll jump ahead. But I'm, I'm trying to avoid their list right now because I want to see it. I, I don't want anybody to color what, how I'm feeling about anything yet, but, but I, I can imagine that the Jimmy Olsen series would rank high. Well, it should. For I, sure. I, I think uh, for two out of the three of us, it's going to rank high as well. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Yeah. Just saying. So you didn't like it, Vince? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, maybe all three of us then. You know Dang. what they say when you assume. 
Yeah, good old Benny Hill. Yeah. I have been revisiting Milton Kniff's Steve Canyon. Oh, do tell. Yes, you have. By way of the Kitchen Sink magazine-sized reprint collections. Nice. Yeah, they're so good. I mean, the first one came out in January of 83. Uh, Of course, Dennis Kitchen was the publisher. Shel Dorf was the editor. Um, I'll get into who was the art director in a little while, but um, just of the amount of of anecdotal and uh, historical information uh, associated with the creation of Steve Canyon in this first issue of L- alone is is incredible. Just to 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 uh, set the scene, Milton Kniff was a very very popular. Uh, comic strip artist. Uh, of course, he was working on Terry and the Pirates um, for the syndicate. And, and I, as I tweeted to the, or not tweeted, I slacked to the dudes while I was reading it. 1946, Kniff was making $70,000 a year. Now, adjust for inflation. Yeah. In 1946, $70,000 is a lot of money. Um, but the problem that Milton had with working for the syndicate was that, uh, as we would see with, you know, the, the, the comic creator summit, he didn't own his creations. He was just, uh, a cog in a very, very big, uh, machine. And he's like, Hmm, I enjoy doing this, but, but I, I would maybe enjoy doing this more if I had actual stake in in the financial uh, aspect of my creation. So uh, there was a newspaper. I'm not going to bore you with the uh, the details, but there was a newspaper coming up on the scene in 46, and they tried to solicit all of the popular comic artists of the time to come to their paper. And all of them, save one, said no. And Kniff is like, hmm, this could be a really good way for me to own my stuff. Let's see what happens. So he goes into the negotiations and he tells him, he's like, uh, there's only one way that I'm going to come come to your paper. And it's like, you give me full ownership of my character, uh, characters, and uh, I'll I'll be your man. I'll sell you newspapers. And that's what they called him. Uh, at, at, at one point, uh, towards the end of Terry and the Pirates, Milton Kniff had a readership of more than 30 million. Let that sink in. Wow. Yeah, that's that's insane. That's crazy. By um, the way, and, Vince, just in case you're curious, $70,000 <laughs> in 1946 would be the equivalent of making $934,000 a year Oof, in, Lord. in 2020. Right. That's <laughs> So he was basically a baller, a millionaire. He, he was a baller. Yeah. Um and so he he went to the he went to this paper and he had the negotiations like give me all creative control and they're like, "Mr. Kniff, you got it." And he's like, "Hot damn." So he created Steve Canyon. Uh and the initial contract grossed him over a five-year period $550,000. But the the point being that he had complete ownership of what he was doing. And the result is Steve Canyon. 
um, one of the all-time greatest comic strips ever by one of the goats of the medium. I don't think it's a, it's a stretch to say that Milton Kniff is one of the greatest of all time. If you're going to challenge me, you're silly. <laughs> you're just... You, you, Don't at me. Yeah, come at me, bro. Um, but this this first issue of the, the Milton Kniff Steve Canyon, it paints the entire picture, and it shows you, uh, you get to, to, to get on the ground floor of Steve Canyon as it was happening. And Milton Kniff was such a big deal at the time that the paper counted down to the counted down the days to his appearance on the front cover oh, of shit. of the newspaper, like twelve more days till Milton Kniff's Steve Canyon. A little uh, blurb on the cover of the newspaper, day by day, by day for a comic strip. That's crazy, but uh, and and to show you his bravado, Kniff doesn't actually introduce Canyon until the Sunday. The, the 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 Sunday edition of the first week of the the strip, he shadows him. Um, he, he, there's this guy uh, called um, uh, what's his name, uh, Mister Daisy, and he works for Copper Calhoun. And Copper Calhoun wants to solicit the services of Steve Canyon, who's a pilot. And he has his own company called Horizons Un- Unlimited. And he's basically a charger, a charter service. No ask, don't ask, don't tell. Uh, he's he has a a uh, extensive um, experience in the military. But this this mega rich woman wants to hire Steve Canyon, and they Kniff shows his secretary Fida Fida in the uh, dealing with this man, and it goes from you know Monday, Tuesday, m- Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. She holds up a picture. Of Steve Canyon, but you never actually see Steve Canyon till Sunday. The the balls on Kniff to do that to make his readers wait an entire week to see the main character of his new strip. That was that that's some big doings, right? Um, but uh, you get in this first issue, you get Steve Canyon from January thirteenth to May fifteenth, nineteen forty seven. Um. And you get, uh, like I said, lots of text pieces that uh, explore Kniff's uh, thinking and his reasoning behind creating the character, why he depicted him as sloppily as he did initially. Um, he wanted Steve to have a, a woman in every um, port. Every port, yeah. Um, he wanted to build upon what he created on Terry and the Pirates with characters that were similar but different enough um i i I love the way uh kniff draws i just the the way he spots black is just incredible the man is he he, if there was a mount rushmore of um we always say this of comic artists there should be space for kniff on there because i think he was a giant giant talent but to get back to the, the the art director that i teased the art director is uh, Peter Poplaski. And that may, name may not mean anything to you, but um, Peter and Dennis Kitchen worked very closely uh, for a number of years. 
and and Peter is the the art director for Steve Canyon, uh, the magazine, and he what he did for the cover of this. It's a really great cover. He he pulled panels from the strip and he colored them and he juxtaposed them and 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 it's a very nice composition and the main image is is one where steve is punching someone and his fist is giant size it's big as his head bigger than his head and it's it's in the foreground it's just a great image but peter poplaski was also now do your history i've talked about dennis kitchen before in what aspect well not only kitchen sink comics but Dennis Kitchen was the driving force behind Comics Book at Marvel. And who did the cover of Comics Book number one? Oh, shit. Peter, Peter Ploplaski. Yep. Uh, the, I, I, the, the man is, is, is instrumental in, in my, my um, all-time greatest comic book moments. I mean, if you did the comic, the cover of comics book number one, you're you're a god to me, <laughs> right? <laughs> because that that book means so much to me that I, I I've said it over a period of time, and I will keep saying it. That it's one of the most important single issues to me of all time. And this Peter Poplaski, who I mean, he's done Popeye stuff, and he's like I said, he's worked at Kitchen Sink for a number of years. But the for me, his crowning achievement is comics book number one the cover for that so you get a little bit of conceptual continuity but the 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 main thing i wanted to to bring to the table here is if really if you haven't investigated the work of milton kniff for shame you really need to rectify your oversight because uh, as an illustrator as a comic book artist or, or comic strip artist in this case he's uh, i mean he's second to none uh if if I had to save the life of Charles Schultz or Milton Kniff, I don't know who I'd pick. Yeah. It, right? It would be a hard choice. Did what do you do? How do you, how do you? One lives, one dies. I don't know if I can make that choice. But anyway, um, I I won't get too deep into the story. I won't get deep into it at all. Which is my way of saying you should really investigate Steve Canyon by Milton Kniff. All of Milton Kniff's work. But I think Canyon is the it's the strip on which he was working until he he passed, so it's it's his more mature um, all the experience that he gained from Terry and the Pirates is evident in every panel of of Steve Canyon. So check it out, Steve Canyon, Milton Kniff, Kitchen Sink Comics. I think it's the way to do it. IDW has a, a nice run of reprints of uh, Steve Canyon, but they're expensive. They're fifty bucks, and I think sixty bucks a book. I don't know if you want to go that route. The uh, Kitchen Sink Steve Canyon magazine, while it doesn't reprint the entirety of Steve Canyon, I think it lasted twenty three issues, twenty four issues. So, the it, definitely the more economical way of uh, experiencing Canyon's work, and you, you can get them on eBay or at, at the better better comic shops. They still got them. So. Check it out. I loves me some kniff. You like to sniff the kniff. No, I would team up kniff and Jaffe just because I think I like saying that. Kniff and Jaffe. That, that is odd, Doesn't it? It sounds like yeah. it's they were meant to be together. 
Sounds like they won a few huge class action lawsuits for people. Right? Can, have, have you been injured on the job? One eight hundred injury. Calls. Kniff and Jaffe. Yes. Jaffe. Yep. And Mr. Jaffe is still alive. Bless him. Right. Yes. Respect it. Respect it. So that's all I got. You guys got any more? I got a nice new travels. All right. So let's do this. Well, twenty twenty. Bringing it to a close. We really appreciated you uh, spending time with us this year. We hope you join us in the coming year because we're just going to keep hammering at it. It's what we do. Um, please solicit our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, bringing you the books you want at the price you want to pay. This is the last time. Image, Stray Dogs, number one, Tony Fleece, Trish Forstner, $1.99, DC. Dark Knight's Death Metal Deluxe Edition Hardcover, $14.99. And Fear Case, number one at Dark Horse. We got Matt Kent, Tyler Jenkins, $1.99. Just, just order them all. Get them all. In your travels, I would like you to read back issue number 124. Why? Wow, what's it about? Oh, well, it's the Horrific Heroes issue. Who's on the cover? Man-Thing by Rudy Nebras. You get, um, let's see, the contents page. You get the birth of the Man-Thing. If monster heroes wore costumes. Uh, The Creeper in the Bronze Age. Harvey Horror, not the kind you think. You get uh, an investigation into Atlas Seaboard. Their their four-color comics. Uh, pertaining to horror and then you get the return of the man thing and a nice little article on ghost rider in the bronze age and beyond um the man thing is the thing that sold this for me uh i think there's a lot of very very valuable information in these tomorrow's magazines um not only from roy thomas but uh from the the people that the surviving creators uh, they managed to pick their brains on uh, various and sundry topics uh, r- relating to the, their creations. But um, lately I've noticed that a lot of the Tomorrow's um, investigations, they kind of devolve into synopsis, whether it's like issue by issue or... Uh, in the Atlas Seaboard article, series by series, that doesn't hold a lot of value to me because I've read these these issues. I've read these series. And if you're going to uh, do synopsis of them, you're telling me shit that I already know. I want to hear that, oh, while working on The Creeper, Steve Ditko you know, had the runs on Friday the 13th 1969 you know what i mean like i want to know the stuff that nobody knows the insider information that uh is not widely disseminated i think that's the value of the tomorrow's line is that they do have um an inroad into the surviving creators that worked on this stuff and they Mm -hmm. do get the commentary but a lot of times it's wrapped in a shell of of synopsis that it's just treading water as far as I'm concerned. Still very, very valuable publications. We, we need these 
to exist. The tomorrows all across the board. Back issue, Alter Ego, comic book creator. Uh, I don't even know if Draw is still published, but um, I think they're very worthwhile publications. But I do think there's a danger in padding the article with synopses. Anybody can get that on the internet, right? That's readily available. You can even read the issue yourself and get a synopsis. I want to know what happened behind the scenes. Yep. Set set the stage. Show me, you know, Marvel in the Bronze Age. This is what was happening with Goodman and Stan and Roy. And they, they petitioned Gerber to create this or to, to take up, uh, you know, the reins of the man thing and this ongoing. Like, that's in here. That's great. I want That's the stuff I want to know. But don't bog it down with with redundant synopses. I think it's a nine ninety five magazine. Over is it a hundred pages? No, it's eighty it some be. pages. Eighty some pages. A lot of it could be trimmed away, I think, and make it like a five ninety nine issue. Just give me the meat. Don't give me the the, the side dishes. I I don't know if that's a glowing uh, review of of tomorrow's magazines. I love them. I think we need them. They're a very, very crucial part of comic book fandom. Uh, buy them. I just wish their focus was a little more uh, laser-tuned. Yeah, I, I, I'm still working my way through 122, which is the um, the Teen Titans issue. And there's there's a lot there. I mean, there's, there's, there's Marv and, and George talking about things. There's people yeah, who are... Yeah, that's great. You know... But then you get, but but to your point, you get you, there was something about, um, I guess, the tribute night for George Perez at at, at a convention, and I'm like, I, that that's cool, and I'm you know I'm, I'm yes, it's deserved, but it's like, I don't know if that's, I I, I don't know if that necessarily. Um, it's not locked into the subject matter, right? Right, because obviously they're going to talk about his Avengers stuff, and they might talk about sex and violence or crimson. Play, and it's like it's like okay, but this is this is a Titan centric issue, and, and yes, George is absolutely a part of that. But is is that just padding out? Is that giving me extra stuff that I that that that, that that's not what brought me to the dance? It, it's cool to right, see it, right? But but that's not necessarily why. But that is definitely not why I bought the issue. Yeah. I think going into maybe a Doom Patrol tie-in to Titans is cool. Teen Titans. But, yep. you know, because that that's within the narrative. And I just want to know how, what these creators were thinking and doing and feeling and, and yes. saying at the time. That, to me, is the so. most important part of, of this history. That is the history. The, the synopsis is great. Um, but it does very little. Other than, you know, paint the backdrop. Some of those, some of those older issues, like you have, you've got uh, Mike W. Barr, Alan Davis, talking about, you know, the Maze Agency for back. I mean, first of all, how many of our listeners have heard about the Maze Agency? But um, I mean, the publisher who was putting that series out isn't even around anymore. So I mean, to, right. I mean, there's the, to to have this this information available, um, you know, to, to look back on or or just. I don't want it to be forgotten, and uh, it's it's nice hearing. Yes, it's, it's nice, absolutely, because I mean, you can read the untold story of the Marvel Universe, where a lot of it is stories told to other people, and over the years, and, and things get you know maybe misconstrued or 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 forgotten, 
or you can and and grant you know if if, if someone's going to talk to Wolfman or um, or Mike Harlan about you know the early day their their early days at Marvel it's like you know they they've or even Walt it's like you know there there may be some things they 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 probably they obviously forgot more than I even know so so right, I, I, right. There, there are but but still to get it right from the source to get it from someone who was there is is a lot more I, I think it means more to me than, than right. you know than yeah somebody should guard Roy Thomas like freaking Biden and just make sure <laughs> no seriously and just make sure that Roy has all the creature comforts he needs to get all this information out because Roy's up there in age, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and he is the last living. I mean, he was the dude that was on the ground floor after Stan. He he knows all of it, and yeah, it should be documented. And then after him, I'm thinking, then you get your Chakins and your Simonsons and all those dudes that are you know ridiculously important to the history of comics. And they their their stories need to be documented as well. You gotta get this stuff down because people don't live forever. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in your travels, um this was a book that um the solicit intrigued me. So I ordered it and as soon as I opened up the first page and I must have missed this in the solicit. I'm like, this this art looks extremely familiar. And then at the end, when you see some of the work that this creator has done, it, it dawned on me. But uh, this is The Cross-Eyed Mutt by Etienne Davido. And the, uh, the art style is familiar to me because Etienne wrote and drew The Initiates, which... I talked about years ago, and that is, and, and actually, that book was given to me by um, Frank the Dildenator. He, this is a story. The, the Initiates is about two men who are friends. One is a comic book artist. One is a winemaker. So, I mean, Frankie nailed it when 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 he gave it to me because it, it's two great tastes that go great together, as far as I'm concerned. But this particular story involves Fabian who is a uh, security guard slash um, customer service rep at the Louvre in Paris. Uh, Fabian's girlfriend, Matilda, uh, she is, she, she takes him to visit her family, her father and her brothers. Uh, and they end up meeting her, um, her great grandfather as well, her, her grandfather as well. Um, but while while meeting the family, and they find out, you know, he works at the Louvre, they say, you know, you should meet our grandfather, and you know, maybe you can do something for us. So so they meet, they they they, they drive to Grandpa's house. Fabian meets meets the grandfather. The grandfather has a painting that was from his. Um, his grandfather and it is a um it's a painting that is is just it is a it's the cross-eyed mud it, it, it's a dog that's just that's cross-eyed um it's a um it's it was the painter 
is, is Gustave Benyon. Uh, he was born in 1820. Uh, he was a writer, but never published. Uh, so we found manuscripts and this painting and they ask Fabian, you know, what do you think it's worth? And, and Fabian's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I work security. Like I, I don't, I, I don't appraise. I'm not, I, I can't tell you. It's like, Oh, but you know, you spend your life amongst these statues, these paintings, all this, you know, this, this architecture, you, you must know something. You've probably picked something up. And he's like, listen, I, I can, I can talk to some people, but I can't, you know, I'm not trying to get your hopes up or anything. And, you know, he's thinking about it over a couple of days. And there's a, um, there's one, one patron of the museum, a, uh, who constantly, um, who comes almost not not daily, but he comes quite often. Um, and his name is uh, Balauchi, and Balauchi's an older gentleman. And Fabian opens up to him, and basically, you know, over an afternoon, he talks about Matilda and her family and this painting. And Balauchi introduces Fabian to uh, a kind of an underground republic society of of the Louvre, and they kind of do things behind the scenes and, and they keep things in motion. Um, so they, they tell Fabian, you know, get the painting, bring the painting to us. We want to see it. Um, and that's, it's from there. I'm not going to say it gets, it gets crazy, but it is, it's, it's a very, um, it's pretty straightforward. So you get really, into the relationship between Fabian and Matilda, it, it's not, um, it's, it feels like a very real relationship. Um, the family might be a little exaggerated, the father and the brothers, but, but they, the family business is, is furniture. They, they, they make furniture at home. They have stools that they sit in at the kitchen table. Um, even though, their storeroom, their warehouse, they have all these fancy furnishings, these, these comfortable couches and sofas and, and chairs. And the reason they have uncomfortable, for some reason, they claim the reason they have uncomfortable furniture at home is because they ha- they take great pleasure in sitting at work. And that pleasure will show on, it will reflect and, and it will make people want to buy such such comfortable furniture. And uh, the, the family is a little eccentric, but, but they're, they're, they're stubborn. And when, uh, when the time comes to whether or not the painting will actually hang in the Louvre, be presented at the Louvre, um, that's where things get, um, a little bit more entertaining. But I think the, the, uh, the conversations the characters have with each other, Balachi's a fantastic character. Fabian, you kind of feel for Fabian in some parts. He's also, you know, he's, He's not, uh, the brothers make fun of Matilda. They, they, they call her chubby. They, you know, they, when, when they reintroduce Fabian to granddad again, they remind him that, you know, this is the guy that's banging your granddaughter. And it's just like, you know, it's like, that's, that's, you know, I want to exactly put it that way. And it's like, well, nothing we're saying is untrue. And it's, so they're very, they're very open and honest. Um, so you can only take so much of them. And, and in that case, they, they, they kind of, feel as real as everybody else in the book, but it was, it's, it's a very entertaining graphic novel. Um, it's, it's not, it, it's not necessarily a quick read, but it is, it's, it's, it's a hundred some odd pages. It's, um, it's, it's very, 
it, it definitely reminded me of the initiates in some spots, mostly again, because of the art, but you, um, you, you just, I really did have a lot of fun with it. I, I just sat back and then, and then they explained, you know, what it takes to have something on display in the Louvre and, um, what that process is and how something gets, yeah, because because they get the Louvre gets countless proposals and and offerings. It's like oh, you know, this this was painted by you know someone, and and there there's there are moments where um when they are talking about whether or not um when 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 a decision is made as to um putting something on display in the Louvre, um you know it, it it's that. Uh, uh, some people in this society are like, you know, why are we going to do this? And, and, and Blatchy's like, you know, this is, it's kind of like reverse theft. Like we're not, no one's taking anything from the Louvre. We're actually putting something in Louvre and, and what, why shouldn't something like this not, what, why shouldn't this be part of, um, part of everything else in here? And, and it's, and when, um, th- th- during this little, uh, proclamation, uh he um blotch is like you know there's there's uh you have um enter here Gustav Benion uh with those who like you painted without gaining recognition and even which is more deplorable with those whom glory and fortune have put to sleep enter here with all the Sunday painters with their approximations of river banks this is where it gets crazy with the shopping arcade watercolorist with their overly vivid sunsets their overly still still lifes their nudes whom we'd gladly dress again and their portraits which aren't portraits um and for those for whom watercolor is more water than color I thought a cliff with that um and it's just it's it's I just really enjoyed um I really enjoyed the story here. I thought the uh, this is no doubt translated, but it is. It's um, it reads as if it was um, it was written for uh, for an American audience, and I I love museums. I haven't been to the Louvre yet. I, I um, you know, when 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 I went to Italy, I got to see David, and 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 I I just I love I love the historical aspects of of um, the museum, I, I, the art museums are, are some of my favorites, but this was, this was a neat, neat little story. I, um, I would definitely recommend it if you come across it, um, pick it up. I, I got a lot of fun out of it. So in your travels, the cross-eyed mutt. It sounds delightful. It was really neat. And I also recommend getting to the Louvre at some point in your, in your, I, in your I, lifetime. I, I intend to, if my wife wants to go to Paris desperately, so yeah, we would we will. Excellent. Well, I decided to um, have a little poetic uh, justice for the um, last book that we discussed this year, and so the last thing I want to talk about in your travels for the last time in 2020 is a book called Curtain Call. Uh, it was written by Wilfred Lupano with art by Rod Gwen, which is R-O-D-G-U-E-N. And some of you savvy, hardcore EOCers may remember the name Wilfred Lupano because he was the writer of The Fantastic Sea of Love, which I discussed a number yes. of years ago. Yes. 
Well, when Sea of Love was released by Lion Forge back in 2018, they optioned, or I should say acquired, the rights to Curtain Call at the same time. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Hmm? Um, yeah, that's that's on my show for next to Sea of Love. Great. Yo, okay, go talk oh, about it. Oh, there you go. See, I want to hear about it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, also written by Lupano, different artist, uh, Rodwin. Um, as with most books uh, by Lion Forge, originally in French, translated by Mike Kennedy, and brought over here. Um, it's it's an amazing story. It, it, it It's at its heart, um, and first, in fact, the first few pages, you may think, oh, uh, I've read this before, which is that it's uh, kind of a noirish setting. There are two guys who uh, are planning to rob an armored truck one last the old one last payday trope right like just one last one last job to get us clear um but i say you would you maybe think you you know what you're getting into in the first few pages but but fortunately it, it goes in lots of different directions and is a much richer much much more human story than that and um at the center of it is a character named vincent Lusseau, like Clouseau only with an l um He's chilling out in France, and he's got a roommate named uh, Vincent, who's an older dude, kind of leather jacket, rough-hewn, likes to pick fights, kind of a one of those people that you you hate him unless he's your homie, and then and then you love to have him as a as a as a friend. Um, and Vincent's a complicated dude because he's a bit of a loser. He's thirty. Hasn't had a lot of success in life. He's done some petty crimes here or there to make ends meet. But I wouldn't say he's inherently an evil dude. He he fancies himself a bit of a Robin Hood in that the crimes he has pulled off or failed at pulling off in the past, he's basically taken an eye of like robbing corporations or nameless places that he could then um, – that won't be hurt by anything. He doesn't ever want to physically hurt anybody. And he gives away a chunk of everything that he's ever taken um, away to, to, to other people and charity and stuff. So – like I said, he's kind of a he's romanticized in his own mind what he is when in fact he is just he's basically a petty petty criminal. But but in his own mind, he's more noble than that. Um, and, and one of the cool things that that Lupano and Rogan do in this is they do time shifting. And I know time shifting is a hit or miss for some people. Some people love it. Some people think it's an overused trope. I think both are true. I think it is an overused thing, and it can be. But if done well, it can be effective. And I think here it's 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 done effectively. Um, it, it's, you, you, you get, you, you're kind of shifted in and out of the, the days leading up to the planning of the, of the heist and then the heist with backstory about, uh, Vincent's past, Vincent and, uh, about Gabby's past. Uh, I mean, um, Gabby and Vincent's getting to know one another. Uh, but then most importantly, you learn about Vincent's time in Senegal because he's basically been a drifter, uh, uh, going where the wind blows. Well, for a time, he found himself in Senegal, in Africa. And he met a beautiful Senegalese woman and fell in love with her. And they had a passionate few weeks. And uh, it became more because um, she got pregnant. But he gets overwhelmed by the panic of... Um, of trying to provide because he doesn't have much money at all and, and doesn't really have a way of being gainfully employed and doesn't know what to do with himself in Senegal. So he, before she even gives birth, he leaves. 
and he kind of leaves her high and dry, almost like he's bouncing. But his plan, because again, in his mind, even though he's a loser, he's in his mind, he's trying to be noble. He wasn't leaving for good. In his mind, he was going to go back to Europe, figure out a way to make his nut, and then come back to them. Well, as you can imagine, best laid plans. This is now many years later. His kid's growing up. He's never met him. He still talks to her. She still takes his calls, but she's frustrated, needless to say. And that's what leads him and his buddy Gabby to come up with the idea of robbing this this um, armored car. And remember, they don't want to commit violent acts. So their plan isn't to like stick up the car. Their plan is to kidnap the son of the armored car driver and then get the armored car driver to hand over the loot for his son without getting any kind of violence. But what would a good heist story be if things didn't go horribly wrong? And they do go horribly wrong. And I won't tell you how, but it's it's this is one of those books that is really successful because it mixes tropes. It it felt to me like uh, a Coen Brothers movie, really, mm. um, in that there's violence, there's crime, there is a noirish element to it, but it's also very funny. At times, there's a lot of heart. You 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 root for the characters, even though at their core they're not good people. But you root for them, and you want to see them succeed because you think, but for this success, maybe they will finally get to be the good people they aspire to be. And I just thought it was whip smart. I thought the heist and what went wrong and what they had planned and how they get out of it all made a ton of sense. It was logical. Um, it felt like I was watching a movie, and. And I loved that they gave him a love interest, but it wasn't this conventional, oh, I met this gal. And she, you know, I mean, it, like that we get flashbacks and we learn about Senegal and this entirely different culture. And um, it was just it was just delightful because it, every bit of it was was, um, you know, there were elements to it that we've seen or, or I've read before. But this but these were really ec- well executed versions of that with 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 a with a new coat of paint, and a sheen that I hadn't seen before or at least for a long while um and then the pièce de résistance of all this is the art by rodwin um i did a little research on this after i read it so i to bring to the show because a lot of times with these european creators we may not know them well but but they may have been doing really well accomplished and well-loved work for decades for all we knew in europe or some other place that wasn't the case with rodwin um this was his first comic work and I say was because, admittedly, I don't know if he's done anything subsequent to this. Um, he spent four years drawing this book because – and it's only 128 pages, I should say. But it took him four years because he had a day job at DreamWorks. Uh, Rodwin is a lifelong animator. Um, and it really shows in the book. Um, I think a lot of these European – works are so powerful because they do they are classically trained animators and so you get these vibrant expressive facial features and 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 emote and emotions that you don't get from a lot of stiff figure work we see in american comics sometimes um and that's the case here i mean every panel the 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 people tell the story i mean yes there are words and there 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 are narrative boxes but but they would they don't really need to be because Rodwin does such an amazing job of showing you how they're feeling or what's happening or what they're doing in motion. Are they happy? Are they sad? Are they exasperated? Are they, are they scared? And it's just, it's fantastic. Um, 
Yeah, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, obviously, we have a huge love for Reliant Forge. I think they're amazing at curating, so no surprise here. Not sure why I missed this when it first came out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, um, for those wondering what Roadwind drew, he was one of the main a- main animators for Madagascar and Kung Fu Panda. But, um, yeah, I, I adored it, and, and um, I just think it was surprising in all the right ways and I couldn't recommend it. I couldn't recommend it more. So I definitely wanted the last book I mentioned on the show this year to be something that I wanted you to read because a lot of what we talked about this, this week, this week was a little bit, bit of sort of middling kind of like men's amends, but this is certainly not that. So check it out. You can get it lots of different ways. You can get it digitally. Um, I'm not sure if it's part of comiXology unlimited or not, but I do know that you can get it there. Um, but I would recommend this, as I'm sure you two would, with all things Lion Forge, is to go ahead and get the hardcover. Very reasonably priced. I think it's 19.99 cover, so you're probably paying what 12, 14 bucks tops for it. And uh, it's a, another beautiful Lion Forge hardcover that belongs on everybody's shelf. So yeah, so definitely give this a big try. It's called uh, it is it is called Curtain Call, and um, it came out two years ago. Co-signed. There you go. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here with us. If you want more of the 11 o'clock comics world, go to Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook. Our Patreon page is going strong. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Do yourself a favor. uh, Take care of yourself, please, on New Year's Eve. Uh, We need you to come into 2021 with us. Uh, In the meantime... Say goodnight from a bone because he's old and busted. Oh, damn. Happy, happy, happy New Year to everybody, too. Can't wait to see you on the other side. David. Aw. Good night. Not going to do the happy new thing again? Uh, I don't even remember what I said. Like I said, uh, David, three times 16 ounces. <laughs> I was going to ask if it was finished. No, Jason was saying, wishing everybody a happy new year. But, no, they're all uh, done. They're all done. Yeah. They're all done. Yep, I'm really stupid. Damn, yeah. dude. Rest in peace, Shabadoo. Yeah. Fuck. Dude, Dodd Wells died from the COVID. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what was so so before before the news went Marianne, to commercial, dude, Marianne yes, died. Before they went to commercial, though, Channel Two News showed a scene with of Ginger. And I was like, "What?" And then when they come back, that bitch, like John Wells, and then they show all the scenes with Marianne. I was like, "Yeah, okay, you guys finally got it right at least." But Ginger was the fucking MJ. Of the island. Yes. Yeah. That, that yeah. hoe that would sleep with anybody yeah. Ma- Ma- just Marianne to get a coconut. Was, yeah. Yep. Marianne yeah. was my crush. Yep. Oh, me too. 100%. Yeah. Oh, Marianne was the fox, dude. Yes. Yep. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a goddamn shame that first year she and the professor were and the rest. Yeah. Bastards. All the natives on the island got the crabs from Ginger. From, from Ginger, yeah. Yep. Just like Mary Jane. I mean, she she was from Hollywood, so I mean, she already had it. For, yeah, so it yep. was just as crazy. Yeah, so Marianne and Ozone both died today. That sucks. Yeah. Damn. All right, looking up. Hey, hope your 2021 
gets off to a great start. Let's keep that train rolling all next year with the good, good on the comic stuff. So join us. We will be here for you. We love you. See you on the flip side. Bye now. Happy New Year. That's it for that one.